Mark A. Altman, Darren Docterman, Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became... Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com. Hey, this is Mark Altman of Inglorious Trexperts in the 430 movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78, available now by subscribing at trexpertsplus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. Here's a sneak peek. Um, Shatner is a guest star in one of the episodes. Yeah, he's one of the villains, right? Uh, yes. And Roy freaked out because he didn't want to the association between Sequest and Star Trek. Oh, oh man. man. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, look, for me, Shatner's one of the great ham actors of all time. Of course. You know, he's just spectacular to watch. And you should be pleased he's here. He's not playing Captain Kirk. You know, but uh, it was, you know, you had to placate that. And then the earthquake, uh, that big uh, Northridge earthquake. Yeah. You know, it shut us down for a couple of days. We came back and we're shooting. Uh, we're setting up to shoot on, on stage and somebody hits the lights for the production and there's stuff floating in the air. You know, the big particles of whatever. I don't know what it is. And then the, the door, stage door opens and guys in hazmat suits come in. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, I, and I, they won't tell me what they're looking for. Oh, everything's fine. Why are you in that suit? Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I call Tom Thayer and they won't put me through to him. So I shut down the show for the day. I said, we're done. We're going to stop for the day because I'm not going to be a part of poisoning everybody here. Mm-hmm. Was- and I got called on the carpet for that. God, you guys should be giving me an award for this. I mean, <laughs> nobody's going to get cancer. I cleared the place. But it, um, it was an interesting experience. I remember being on the junket for it, and uh, they made a big deal out of, this isn't science fiction. This is science fact. And, you know, (laughs) basically, and and, uh, Roy is, uh, he's like Jack Cousteau. (laughs) It's like, what? And we, you know, we try to, you know, sort of feather that at the end of the show with uh, Bob Bauer saying, you know, 30 seconds on something that's actually means something. <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, uh, there were people on the show who couldn't stand having him there. We're not, we're not doing public television. This is an education. Uh, it, you know the battles. Yeah. The it's, a, it's a sad thing that, uh, that Scheider was, uh, was uh, leery of uh, being on TV because that, now that stigma doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But you know, it was huge. Oh, I know, yeah. I know it was. But uh, you know, huge actors are doing TV now. Yeah, De Niro just not announced thing, yeah. his, uh, was announced as a lead in a Netflix series. Yeah, did, that's did you Schneider's new show's debuting. Yeah. Fubar. Did, did you oh deal God. with um, Spielberg at all? Did he know he had this TV show on the air? Like, was he uh, ever involved? Yeah, I, I, I didn't deal with him much. He was in Poland. He came back. He was. Uh, he devoted some time to us a little bit, but not mm. to the degree you you, you would like. Um, right. I remember the first time he came into the writers' room and we're talking, and he's staring at Bob Ingalls. <laughs> he said, "You were in the show last night." 
So he was watching it. That's good. So it wasn't commensurate with what he was getting paid. No, but you know what? He he's a guy. It's it's hard to argue with him because he he literally knows everything about. Yeah, Yeah. he just does. I mean, it's a compendium of of knowledge that maybe Scorsese knows more. I don't know, but were there were there ever any edicts to shoot on location in the dive restaurant in Century City? Uh, Spielberg and Cassidy's restaurant. That didn't happen. uh, That's really funny. uh, Good fries. Um, Did we? And then, and then, Roy had had enough, and and Michael Ironside comes in for the last season. Were you? Had you had enough? You were gone. I was just there for the first. I I was there for the first season. I moved it to Florida. Ended the second season, and I, I went off to do other things. Yeah, yeah. I think you know it. I felt like the people at, uh, I'm, I'm guessing Amblin, uh, the executives insisted on doing the show so they could walk to the set from uh, the Amblin offices. Sure. It should, they had a great facility in Florida that wasn't being used. It had all the things you want in a show about being underwater that you could access within 10 minutes of where you are, right. certainly within the zone. And shoot underwater. There's a place called Wiki Washi. I don't know if you guys know that, but there's a mermaid show there. It's crystal clear spring waters, and they have a theater underwater with, you know, glass that must span 30, 40 feet and 12 feet high looking out onto the water. You, it, you could have done so much there, but they didn't want to do that. You know, it was. Uh, it's a lot of hubris on the part of a lot of people who wear suits and ties. Yeah, that happens. You know, that's for sure. So subscribe today at TrexpressPlus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the Rockets. They're here. Yes, indeed. Your favorite 430 movie hosts are all back with an all-new season of curating fantasy theme weeks on the 430 Movie Podcast. Join Darren Docterman, Ashley Edward Miller, Stephen Melching, and myself, Mark A. Altman, as we bring you the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movie curation. It's the 430 movie. It's fun. It's informative. It's awesome. And until then, Eyewitness News starts now. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman. And this is Ashley Miller. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And today we commemorate the end of Frontier Day. <laughs> the end of Picard. Is it the final three. Frontier Day, you think? <laughs> I don't know. But this is this is a special episode for us. And so we had to bring in a really special guest. And to help us pay tribute uh to uh Picard season three, uh, we brought in a ringer. We brought in uh the great <laughs> Steve Asbell joining us again, president of 20th Century Studios and Star Trek fan extraordinaire. Welcome hey, back, Steve. Thank you for having me. I wouldn't call myself as a ringer. You got a you you got a, you you threw a ringer for a ringer. Sorry, I was trying to do my Walter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I couldn't rally fast enough. Um, 
uh, I did watch the, I went to see the Lebowski 25th anniversary uh, this weekend, mm. which was pretty awesome. Anyway, sorry. That's and like, thorough. And thorough. Um, <laughs> thank you for having me back on. Um, I, I, uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. I, I, gentle reminder, I'm here as a, a fan. I have no professional connection to Star Trek. And uh, so, you know, don't, don't yell at me for anything. Don't send you, don't I, send I you strongly it. worded uh, yes. postcards about don't, don't, uh, 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 I'm just here as a fan. And, and I know that this is, I think the um, Mark's tenure on the show is, is dwindling. I mean, he's coming to the end of this season and possibly your, your, uh, your life, no. <laughs> not your life, your life. Uh, well, there's always like possibility. That, no, <laughs> I'm just, I say, I'm trying to prepare myself for, for a, a, a markless uh, uh, Trexperts. What's, I got to tell you, shields are down. Deflectors are weakening. Uh, you know, I was adamant that uh, at the end of the fifth season, I was done with the show. Not out of any animus. I love the show. I love my <laughs> co-hosts, our guests. Uh, but I just felt like I had nothing left to say about Star Trek, and maybe someone else who had more to say could join us. Now, in a way, much like um, uh, uh, Kirk's uh, faith was restored at Genesis and, uh, and his son's faith, um, <laughs> season three of Picard, uh, is the first time in a long time that I got excited about Star Trek again. And suddenly there was like something new to talk about as we are going to tonight. And so I thought to myself, well, if Star Trek can be good again, if they're actually doing new Star Trek that I haven't seen, and we're not talking about Star Trek three for the 400th time, then maybe I should stick around. Now I haven't decided yet, but I am doing the math on that. Um, and um, so it's possible I, I may I may consider staying, but then again I don't know because Star Trek as uh, Picard season three I hate to call it season three because it means there was a season one and two which were both not good. Um, but uh, it didn't exist. It, but Star Trek season three is so good that you know kind of makes me want to stick around and talk about Star Trek a little more. So I wonder I don't know. how your your co-hosts feel about being held uh, in suspense. Oh, we're making a list for auditions, man. So if yeah. you've got a rep who wants to call us about auditioning for Mark's job. I heard you know, Josh Gad was a fan. I mean, I think they would drop me in a heartbeat for Josh Gad. I mean, Josh Gad could come in. He Ben Stiller, you know, there are plenty of people who well, are. Just know if we, if we, if we, uh, you know, if we take a glance at your chair and you're not in it. Uh, then you're probably down in the engine room mixing matter and antimatter with your hands. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, just be warned for that uh, for that scenario. More likely chocolate chip cookie dough, but okay. <laughs> Big gloopy uh, mess. Yeah, it's like, okay, you know, wait, he's, I thought this was the... He's mixing pasta and antipasta. <laughs> if, if the chair is empty i know i don't have a partner that's right if the chair is full i know i have a partner i know i don't yeah <laughs> because and this is the life fandom we've, we've chosen. chosen you gotta get it <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. Sorry. I know well, we, we should record two different movies uh, in the course of the Star Trek podcast. Well, so. we're desperately trying to avoid spoilers, aren't we? Right. I believe in America. America so has made my fortune. Here, here's the thing, audience. Um, if you have not watched the final episode of uh, Picard Season 3, uh, The Last Generation, um, and you don't want to be spoiled, you should probably not listen. Stop yet. now. 
should stop if Go you haven't already. Father. Stop in the name of love because we are going to be talking. This is spoiler central now. We've been very good about not talking about uh, any spoilers. We, we, we've had guests from the show on. We've had Rob Burnett on. And somehow nobody's given away any spoilers. Today, it's all about the spoilers because, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's come to an end, unfortunately. It's, uh, it's over. We're going to be speaking um, very frankly about it, probably uh, more frankly than you've ever been spoken to. A man Surely. in position has ever been spoken <laughs> Darren, you can have my answer now if you want. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking about international immobile. We're going to be talking about <laughs> all kinds of... I, you know, I hate calling it season three, but I, I keep saying season three because it's very important to differentiate which yeah. season three is from season one and two. And uh, it's funny because in a way, this is, I, this definitely isn't, Steve, right? Season eight of Star Trek. It's it's more of a sequel to Nemesis than season eight, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, mainly because it has all of them back, but also I think addresses so many of the things that we wanted to know about, you know, about all these characters after after that final movie, which was... I actually just started rewatching it because I got my my 4K um, set came in right, this right. Weekend, or last week, and I started. I was like, man, I know we were talking about doing uh, a conversation about that film, and I'm always in the maybe it's not as bad as I. And there were it's actually moments where I'm like, it's not as bad as I thought, but then there are moments where it is, and it 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 ultimately was such a disappointing conclusion for them because it wasn't really a conclusion it wasn't a conclusion it was just another but it also sort of an ending what's that it was just sort of an ending it was sort of an ending and you know dealt with data i guess in 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 that sense but um but nothing that uh, left you think feeling like i feel in a way that all good things did let's just say uh, at the end of next generation where you if it had never happened if no movies had happened after it would go all good things it it would have stood the test of time, but it's it's always a good uh, practice to back up your data. Uh, so. <laughs> well, Ashley, I got to ask you this because I think the big difference between, in a way, from Nemesis and what we've seen now with uh, Picard is with Nemesis, you really see after Insurrection, um, the power of the two stars emerge, Patrick and Brent, and they really controlled. What they wanted to do, what they thought Star Trek were, was they brought in John Logan and, and um, you know, becomes the Picard data, data show to the, you know, and, and you see that in the first two seasons of Picard. The way they got Patrick, besides a very large check, was for him to be more creatively involved. You know, oh, I, I wanted to deal with the, you know, my, my mother and, and uh, an abusive father and all this stuff that uh, was true of Patrick and not true of Picard. What I think is so liberating, and you tell me if you agree, Ashley, about season three, is this came from Terry, this the, you know who who pitched this, and if anything, Patrick was kind of reluctant to get the band back together, mm-hmm. and then ultimately he's kind of won over, and I think there was a little guilt there that he had excluded them from from this, right. and then he was also won over by sort of the approach, which still was dealing with a more complex character perhaps than 90s next gen right um would you agree with that i mean yeah completely i mean first of all i when you kind of lay it out that way all i can think of is oh so patrick stewart is david lee roth 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew Sammy Hagar. That's 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 a that's weird. But she can't drive fifty five, which is why Voyager took seven years to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. Um, but I but I digress. Later, I'll tell you about my experience at a uh, Van Halen concert. But anyway, um, look, I, I think that the that the show benefits greatly from the fact that it, unlike the movies, doesn't feel the need to focus on uh, Patrick and Brent. Um, who, you know, look, for very good reasons, I think, in the context of the films became the focus. Because in many ways, to the fans, other than Worf, they were kind of the focus of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Worf got to have, like, his day in the sun on uh, on Deep Space Nine. So that was fun and, and fine. But what has been, to me, revelatory about, uh, about Picard is not only do I feel like these characters legitimately aged right like and not just physically but their lives they moved on in ways frankly that the even the original series characters did not um who were a little bit frozen in amber just getting older inside the amber now some of their perspectives changed their points of view changed but for the next generation cast their lives changed uh, Picard's life obviously did. Uh, Crusher's obviously did. Uh, there's that terrific scene in episode three where they're just talking about the choices that Beverly made and why. That feels like an honest conversation that that people would have. Um, Riker's whole story is just it's it's just emotionally harrowing. Um, and there's there's no there's no precedent for that in Star Trek. And I, I think that, you know, the, the that's kind of true of all those characters. Jordy comes into this show, not just with a different job, but with a with a point of view that has been reshaped by the fact that he's become a father. Mm-hmm. And his idea of what his family is, is now very different. And it's very honest and it feels right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that, you know, it would have been, it, I think, that it would have been sad if this whole season had just been it's the it's the Patrick and Brent show again for ten episodes. Well, and I, just wanted, respect. Oh, sorry, sorry, I just wanted to say one thing about the the scene you just talked about, um, which was really where I I mean I, I I was in hooked from the first episode, but that scene really I think we might talk about this last time got me and got me like really into it in the sense that that is not just, it was not just a great well-written scene of characters that we love and, and, and we got to see them together, interact together for the first time in a long time, but it was also such a well executed um, version of a, of a very difficult idea, which is, Oh, this happened, this ret, you know, the sort of retconning of like, okay, she didn't tell you, she got pregnant at the end of nemesis. And then 20 years went by and nobody talked to anybody. And you have to kind of go back and explain in an incredible way why these choices were made because they don't make sense in, in a vacuum or they don't make sense outside of the start. You just know, okay, the story needs it to be because otherwise he would have mentioned that he had a son before. But the fact that they actually, the Terry and, and his team landed that in a way where not only did I believe it, but I was, I was moved. I, mm-hmm. I really, that, that, that was a big moment in the, in the series for me. Well, Dan, I think what's so interesting is if you looked at a press release that was just describing the show on paper and it said, um, the crew of the uh, Enterprise D returns, uh, Captain Picard 
uh, now has a son. He hasn't talked to Beverly in 20 years. And um, everyone's gone their separate ways, right? The TV Guide logline. It would sound either like a really bad Star Trek II ripoff or just not very good. And yet there's a phrase in this business, execution dependent, right? And this is executed with such finesse that it's so much more than the sum of its parts, isn't it? I think that's absolutely true because as as you stated, a a lot of these... uh, Story elements and uh, and tropes are things that fans have been have thought about uh, sure. over the past you know thirty five years. They have shipped. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, in the thing is, um, I think that the 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 mixture of all of these things and the the growth of the actors involved has really brought it along. I today I watched Encounter at Farpoint again. All the all the way through. I'm sorry. I, no, you know what? It's it is what it is. It's a kind of clunky uh balancing act McClunky. trying trying to McClunky. trying to develop something completely new without going into the past. You know, and trying to forge new uh, new avenues. LaForge. And, LaForge. I knew and one of you was going to say it, it. I had a it bet in my mind of which one of you, and I lost it. And it doesn't quite make it. It doesn't stick the landing. Um, but it does have the germ of of good ideas in it. And I think the the main thing that stood out to me uh, in season three of Picard is the relationship between Picard and Riker. Yeah. Um, that Picard needs Riker almost as much as Kirk needs Spock. Um, it, the, the humor that Frakes brings to it is essential yeah. to, to, make, to make it not seem as heavy and turgid and, and really difficult to watch as the previous two seasons. Picard needs that. And Frakes brings it every episode. He's so good, and he's so he he brings sort of the swashbuckler to yeah. it. I, I would argue it's that essential. That, not only is that you're a hundred percent, thousand percent, whatever percent, right? But I would even say that it's something they didn't do even in the show. Absolutely, or in, in a way that was so welcome. I mean, to your point, Ash, about you know that the that the duo became Picard and Data. And yet, it, because in, in some ways they never quite, I mean, they were good and Riker and, and uh, Riker was always great and Picard was always great and Patrick and and um, and Jonathan were excellent in their parts, but it, yeah. it never quite gelled into the sort of, you know, captain number one. I mean, I don't say it didn't. There were obviously moments where it was great, but what you're describing was so the Butch and Sundance thing that Terry always talks about, yeah. where it's an inverted thing, where, where Riker and it actually only, is the one he needs. It only works with their characters in yeah, this right. later developed stage right. as equals. Yeah. And it it is so refreshing to see that. And it's something, look, in the show, Picard never really liked data. You know, that's mm-hmm. the that's the truth of the whole thing. He he, you know, he he thought he was a good officer, but he didn't right. he wasn't pals with him. Right. Jordy um, was pals with him. Jordy was pals with him. Um but the thing is that, you know, I, I I'm never gonna stop uh, you know, uh, t- uh, tooting the horn of uh, the greatness that is uh, Jonathan Frakes in this, because he he really 
brings that fun back and makes it makes it seem like a real relationship. Ashley, you were talking about in Nemesis that it was really about uh, Picard and Data. And for a long time throughout the series, it was trying to figure out who their Kirk, Spock and McCoy was. Mm -hmm. And for a while, it was Picard, you know, Data. And, you know, maybe it was, uh, you know, Worf or maybe it was Riker or, you know, maybe it was someone else. You know, they they, they never could figure it out. And it was so cagey. I think it was so smart. Tell me if you agree about this, Ashley. By introducing the characters in drips and drabs, rather than saying we're all back together, yep. we're able to explore them, and 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 Riker finally gets his chance on the stage because he was great in episodes like Frame of Mind, and he was great mm-hmm. in episodes like First Contact, but he was always overshadowed by the you know the Data episode yeah. or, or our guest star or Patrick or this is going to be about Worf or this is going to be about Stila or whatever you know, and finally by saying okay we're going to focus on Riker. And those first couple episodes are very Riker centric. Yeah. Right. The Butch and Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid aspect, where they have this great relationship and they're equals. He's no yeah. longer supported. He's been captain of his own ship. Yep. So now he's on par with Picard. And it's different the way you, you treat your boss as mm-hmm. opposed to you treat yeah. your, your peer. Right. Also, and now suddenly and your friend. Peer. Yeah. Your yeah. Friend. And, and also, I would say Riker. Having had and lost children, yep. where Picard's just yep. dealing with finding one for the first time, which is, is my favorite thing that Riker's past him. You know, it's it's he needs. Yep. Go ahead, Ash, sorry. You know, that's right. It's just just that Frakes is bringing this thing throughout. Number one, you're totally right, Mark. That the way that the characters were introduced, it wasn't just a matter of well, you have to have something for them to do. It was also it's the, the Magnificent show. Seven. Yeah, right. The, the show created mm-hmm. a context. For bringing everybody in mm-hmm. and why they became important and like and what that relationship was going to be, but to go back and again to the Frakes horn, um, which is a trombone. Um, That's right. Uh, uh. <laughs> by the way, uh, you know it's he he manages something very difficult, and I, I think in some ways he maybe has the toughest job on the show because he demonstrates this like absolute delight at meeting Jack Crusher. Delay that. Admiral's orders. Lock it down. Shuttles. Transporters. The boy stays here. You are going to get us all killed. Why are you doing this? Because he's my son. Okay, are you not seeing what I'm seeing? Right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah, kid, yeah. You know what? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, the walking back. And he is just, he's he's wonderful. And he's light and all these other things. And then he can turn around and he can do that scene where he is trying to send a message to Deanna. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, or he can talk about what it was like to go to his kid's funeral, which is just um, or you can say you just killed us all. Like yeah, that exactly when, that when he's standing fight. up to him and having that conflict with yeah. him, and you believe. Both of them. The, the Crimson yep. Dive scene? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Crimson Dive that scene. Never, mm-hmm. To all of your points, that never happened on the show. That's no. so interesting when you're talking well, I, I want to ask you about that. Yeah. But first, I, I just, you know, I just I just want to say this. I, you, you both mentioned how much you like the idea that they've lost a son. Now, I have to say, as far as I was concerned, this would have been a better show if season one and two weren't canon. Other than that... Like, I didn't need to see Rafi. I didn't need to hear about how Picard uh, was Mr. Roboto now because he was in a robot body. All that nonsense that they did in season one and two. All this stuff with Brent that I still don't know what it was all about. Um, But 
the the fact that and even at the time in in the one half decent episode of Nepenthe, even in that, I didn't like the fact that they had lost the kid. Here it pays off. Here, here it works. You don't even need to have seen, seen that shit right. for it to work. Thankfully. It's just perfect and wonderful. Like as it is, you just yeah. it becomes revelatory. And it all of his it. conversations with Dan, I mean, and get the 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 message, and then when you finally see them together in the jail cell, in the holding cell, and he comes clean about him having been stuck. I mean, it's 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 great, and this experience, the near death wow. experience, and the nebula, and the vortex, and being pulled in, and getting out, and the birth of the new thing, was really special. And it's like it's so interesting and well done. How you like you don't need to have experienced that one episode in the previous season it was well, just I want to ask you uh, because that that scene you point is such a great scene that scene in the prison cell between him and Troy maybe one of the great Star Trek scenes yeah certainly one of the great next generation and they're scenes, both right? funny At, well yeah. and and then the, the it pays off with a joke right? right that's what's so great because it deals with some real human emotions that we can all relate to it's very smart and well-written. And then it's super funny. That line where he's giving a wharf shit for flirting with Troy because they used to, I, and it, it's yeah. this gentle poking at these things that the show has done wrong in the past, yeah. like making fun of the wharf Troy arc, very making fun yeah. of the fact that in the first season, they lived in a cabin in the woods making pizza, right? I, mean, like, I hate that. So I want to go back to the city. Yeah, they made a meal of that. They made it feel right. And and you know the other thing that's happening in those scenes, and it's it's also true of the Picard Crusher scene. Um, they they managed to do two things. Number one, they get around the Roddenberry rule in a really brilliant way uh, because they introduce conflict that feels organic to who they are. The other thing they do is, and this is where I think like the 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 writing in those scenes and just in general was kind of transcendent. It, it leaned into the sci-fi, it leaned into the space opera elements and used that as ammunition for emotion, right? So when Riker and, and Deanna are having that discussion about what's happened with their relationship and with Thad, it's not just, well, and then I was really sad because my kid was dead and you couldn't understand that I was sad. It's like, no, the problem is, lady, you love me so much, you tried to make it okay for me and pull it away from me and you right. did that and it fucked me up. And yeah. I had to get away, not because I couldn't deal with like what happened with that, but because I needed to, needed to deal with it. And the corollary yeah. to that is the Beverly scene, like you just yeah. said, she's like, she talks about Wesley's, you know, traveler existence as which is obviously a big sort of thing in the show. And, they, and she's like, I lost a son to the yeah. stars. Like the reality of that, when, when, they, when she said it that way in the scene, in the context of her life, not just the whole, eh, everybody, you know, if his name is Picard, he's always going to be hunted. Like, yeah, you're always going to have that. And they, and they do, I, I don't mean to say it like that. I just mean like that is the obvious or the, the expected note to hit, which is I knew that, you because at first it's well you were busy and then i realized it was gonna be bad and then she reveals that it's like i, I lost a son to the start like i i will never see him again and i i'm not doing that and, and that's what's so crazy I thought that's Lewis, what made it land for me about <laughs> some of these fans who are like oh you know they missed the boat by not having wesley in it wrong first of all who cares right yeah. who cares we don't need to see him again up, he, left the he left the show same people say oh we didn't see denise crosby who the fuck cares she left the show right so um but with with will it was kind of like this is what's so interesting she's upset 
She's so worried about losing another, but she lost yeah. him to the stars when he decided to the weirdest sci-fi, to Ash's point, like, oh yeah, it was a story, Ellen, but it was like to the craziest science fiction idea. It's like, he's a god somewhere now. Like he's doing his thing. He's never coming back. And it's so much more interesting than having him pop in and say, I'm yeah. back. Yeah. And, and, and it was the same thing with Denise. They use the character, you know, in much the same way it was used in Measure of Man, admittedly, but they use the character of Tasha Yar in a way that means something yeah. rather than bringing back Sela, that stupid contrived nonsense from uh, Next Generation where she's her own freaking daughter. Uh, it, it's so much better that way where it services character and story and 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 this this really sort of deep complex story they're telling rather than a bunch of sci-fi nonsense and it lets it lets the characters behave like real people and have real responses to real problems not like bringing spock back in star trek 3 oh boy Oh, here we go again. Uh, oh, man. He's just now, Mark's, for that one. now Mark's definitely not coming back. But I want to preface by, uh, and then about this Roddenberry's box. I don't want to lose this thread sure. because Roddenberry's box, you know, a lot of people say, oh, we could have told these stories in the 90s. Well, that's not exactly true, is it? This was a Roddenberry creation. And, it, uh, and, a, and a rule that was enforced later by Rick Berman and Michael Piller. And and Brannon, who all subscribe to the fact that there is no conflict in the twenty third century, we're elevated people. We 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 have overcome our petty jealousies and difficulties, and so conflict comes from the outside, not between our characters, right? And it does seem that if anything, this season or the, this uh, Picard season three has jettisoned the idea of Roddenberry's box, and 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 really went head first into interpersonal conflict in retrospect do you feel like where was this show wouldn't it have been nice if well, runberry's box didn't exist back in the day it's like honestly it's it's what if the next generation was written like deep space nine because it's it's exactly that kind of uh of philosophy and approach that made deep space nine different and special and it's especially like as that show went along and ira kind of became more and more in charge of it and now we're seeing it here with these wonderful actors as well but darren's not a deep space nine fan so i wonder what he thinks well, I, I i yeah it's not that i'm not a fan it's just that i i never got into it um but that's not a fan <laughs> I think that I think that Roddenberry's box was a huge detriment, and I think it came from a wrong place. I think Roddenberry began to believe his own BS from his uh, his uh, lectures and all that stuff, and everyone, you know, lauding his uh, his future human uh, uh, aspect of Star Trek. And I don't think that works at all for telling actual stories about real people. That's the Steve? problem. I, I'm I'm a little between you guys, I think, because I feel like it's it was useful, certainly as a distinctive element of what Star Trek was as part of the DNA from the original show of of defining, of having rules, having a sort of point of view um, and trying to stick to it. I that's and I think that it informed, you know, if not the best it didn't it didn't create the best opportunities for the widest range of storytelling it was unique it that said it did not age as well with the rest of storytelling and the I mean, not to say that stories got better were you know there's plenty of excellent science fiction 
you know, literature, you know, always. But, but the but, offshoot, the offshoot from that was that the only time we ever got interesting stories on Next Gen is when they brought in outer, uh, outer characters to stir things up. Sure. And that, that just made our own crew, uh, less than human. But can I ask you guys a question about that then? And this is, I think, outside of my my well, let's say Box. outside of my understanding. What is yeah, there a connection to the syndicated element of storytelling where you had to have characters in episodic format that didn't change too much, that couldn't kind of you know get too dramatic, if you will, because you had to kind of keep them going more or less on the rails. For however many twenty-two episodes, I don't. That I had don't, nothing to do no, with no, Andre's box. I don't. Yeah, there's I don't a, there's so. a difference between that and they can't have conflict. Like here's right. here, okay. I'll give you an example that, and this is riffing a, a little bit, but hey, it's my job. It's what I do. So if if I were somebody who were advocating the Roddenberry box, and you presented the uh, Riker uh, Troy scene from episode eight to me, here's how I would criticize it. I would say, well. Deanna Troy is a Starfleet officer and a professional counselor, and she's Betazoid. So she would never have done the half thing Betazoid. that Riker said she did, because or half, whatever. She would never have done the things that Riker said she did because she would have known that that would have been exactly the wrong way to help him. That really she wouldn't have used her powers in that way because using her powers in that way means that she didn't understand and that she was being selfish and in the 24th freaking century. Um, like she wouldn't be selfish like that. So none of those things would happen. Well, like, remember, even in the bonding, the even in the bonding, when Ron Moore saw that wonderful script uh, about uh, an uh, officer, you know, kid who has to deal with the yeah. death of his mother on an away team, Roddenberry was like, oh no, um, he wouldn't have to mourn because in the future, uh, yeah. we understand death is just something that happens and he would not be upset about it, right? That mm -hmm. I mean, that was Bronberry's box taken to the extreme. And of course, they found a very clever and smart way to do it where Worf sort of becomes the surrogate father and has to teach him how to accept what's happened. But um, uh, it, 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 is, it is exactly what Ashley said, you know? And, and, and I think what I think we have embraced about this season of Picard, this Terry season, is um, that it, it it takes the best of the original and the best of Next Gen. Yep. And Next Gen never had that 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 humor, that glint in the eye that the original had. Yep. And maybe it had at times, like with Best of Both Worlds. And that's why, surprise, surprise, they keep coming back to Best of Both Worlds, whether it's First Contact or Picard, right? We keep coming back the same way that everything came back to Khan over and over, not literally Khan, but knocking off Khan uh, or finding a villain like Khan with next generation. It's always let's do best of both worlds, the Borg, you know, and and I do think that um, Ashley is 100 percent right that you could not have done this, not because you couldn't do this in the 90s, but because they wouldn't do it. Right. Should should we talk about some of the other characters, some of the new. Well, I want to. I'm glad you brought that up because we talked about how much we love what they did with these characters, right? And before we go to the new characters, I want to talk to uh, uh, what they did, I think, which was really special, which is Michelle Forbes and Anson Rowe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Imposters. Oh my God. Is one of the. It, it, it's. I like. I, I just rewatched it. Like. A couple nights ago, and it is one of my favorite. I think it's one of my favorite track episodes of all time. 
uh, and just the scenes between them. Like, they, they, look, it's just like a, an incredibly well executed show episode on its on its own merits. Um, but wow, you know, talk about like there's emotional gut punch after emotional gut punch as these two characters work out their history. And, and they both had a strong that, point of view, and neither totally. was wrong, and neither was right. Yep. And then that ending, just ugh, like ugh in the best way. And here's another thing that's crazy. And again, I don't want to say, oh, but on the web they're saying because who cares? But on the, the web, web they're saying we care. Oh, they shouldn't have killed her. Fans of the right? show, they should have killed wrong. her. As though the show is going to be on the air for another twenty years. This is I, probably it. This I is hate it. to say. So, what a great way to 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 any, end that character. Any characters that we loved are brought in, dealt with, and killed. Rogue to make that sacrifice. To make that sacrifice, to have gone through what she goes through, and she comes in and have them completely at odds. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, it's like this platonic love story between these two. And you hurt me so much. And I hurt you. And, you know, but we can get past it. And then she sacrifices her life. She goes out like a boss. Oh, my God. How great is that, Steve? It's great. I, I I was surprised. I would I was thrilled. I I was surprised in the sense that I, I didn't think of all the um I mean it makes sense, you know, of all the, the, the characters or the threads from you know that you could go back to in, in all of those years of next generation, that that character you know, because it's a that's a lot of real estate for a you know, ten episode show. And I know Terry said I think he only had Michelle for like a day or something or very short meta. It was a very short, but she was shooting another show. Yeah, what I would love York. to see is the Paramount Plus streaming numbers for preemptive strike. I would like to know how many people went and watched that show yeah. from the 17th, which no one has ever talked about since it probably aired. It's not a bad episode, Pat, you know, but it's a good episode, but I don't think it's ever been in the zeitgeist or, or among Star Trek fans ever talk but about it, that's ever think about it. About- because there's a whole, it's one thing to say, okay, they, you know, we, we brought back Moriarty, you know, is it for a minute? And that's fun to see because it's, that's a deep cut for fans. So when you're mm-hmm. you know, making a, a sort of return show, but, you know, for with the next generation cast, which was very popular, meaning there is a part of the return. I'm sure. One of the reasons it's not surprising the show's done so well is that there's a lot of love in the mainstream audience for the, that cast and for that show. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say with Roe, I'm like, because that is pre- like, because I started thinking about was there something that, you know, other like, uh, I don't mean Q, but like something that would have been, oh, someone's going to recognize this. I love that it was not like it was Ro, like nobody knows other than us and the people that watch the show who that is. And yet, and I, you know, brought back in that moment, like when she, because it wasn't in the movies, like that's another thing. It's something that, hadn't been interrogated in the films. And so it was ripe to be to be returned to. But that scene, again, it goes back to this, what we're talking about, which is it could have gone either way had that scene in the bar not been there or not been as well executed as it was where, like if it was just them going at each other on the, you know, like I'm mad at you and, you know, and she's pretending not mm-hmm. to care. And, but yeah. they get into it in the, in the holodeck and and it was great. You just caught you just caught up in it, and that's what sold me. Like and Steve, before we get to the characters, you just brought up something. That meeting on the holodeck, and, the, and this it turned into Cheers in the show, right? They're constantly in the holodeck. They're in this ten forward that was created for the uh, this new series, you know, which is you know a, a 
kind of contrived thing. What was so amazing, and I, I, I read criticism of it, like, oh, well, you know, the whole thing about it having its own power sources, who cares? It's there for story. I don't care about, oh, how they justify it, that line about, oh, it has its own power, or the fact that it's the wrong 10 forward, then Picard would have no connection to this. It would be the 10 forward on the D. Okay, none of that matters, because, of course, they had to use the set that they built for season two yeah. to amortize their cost. You know what? Fine. It's great no, producing. It served, it's great producing, and that's what's so brilliant about the show. You know, from our perspective as people who all work in the business, this show it, it, Terry was so savvy because you got to remember they hadn't broken the show when he had to sit down at the beginning of season two and say, these are the sets we need to build. Yeah, they, right. they hadn't done a room. They didn't know what they needed. He just said, I'm going to need this, 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 and this could work in season two and it could work in season three. It was the only way to do it because let's face it, that cast was freaking expensive and they had yeah. him over a barrel. You couldn't suddenly say, Oh, we don't, we, we can't afford LeVar. We can't afford Michael. You had to have everybody. So, you know, the fact that it's basically up until nine and 10, a glorified bottle show is amazing yeah. that they pulled it off. Um, and those sets are so great. What Dave Blass and his team, um, at which Dave one Blass point included Darren Docterman, is, is sensational I, and, and so smart. I just want to talk Darren, a little bit. Pardon? Sorry, I was going to say you mentioned you and, and the production design, but you talk about what well, you were. I, I was going to ask. I only I only worked uh, a, a couple weeks on season three. Uh, I did some things, and uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I have to I had to go off and do uh, motion picture four K, um, which is fine by me. But <laughs> definitely, uh, but but I had to I had to slog through working on seasons one and two, so that's that was my my burden. Um, but uh, it's all fine. I'm, I'm glad to have been able to participate in it. Uh, but the thing is, I just want to talk about this, uh, this perspective of what is fan service and when is it bad and when is it good? Um, I think fan service is a negative connotation because it, it's something like, oh, well, we'll, we'll just throw these, uh, throw these little morsels out to the fans and they'll eat it up and they'll love it. That's not what this is. This is not fan service. This is giving reassurance that they actually had seen the previous shows and actually understood the previous shows. It's reassurance to the fans mm -hmm. that they're, they're not going to lead you astray, that they know where you've been in your journey. That's a different thing. That's not just looking up in the, in the encyclopedia things that mm -hmm. happen and plopping them into the script and saying, wow. hey, look at us. It's not it's like saying... It's not like saying we don't have Darth Vader. Let's bring back the Emperor, right? Right for for no for no reason other than he's a popular, iconic character, right? Instead, it's about saying it, it enriches the story. It yeah. enriches the characters because we know what this all means. And then to add on top of that, Stephen Barton and Freddie Weidman's sensational oh, score, oh, which hits, which not only works great as score, but obviously honors this incredible legacy of Star Trek music. Uh, and, and it really is the first time other than the movies, uh, you know, since the original that you have this kind of, and maybe some of Ron Jones's music in next end, we have this kind of sensational music uh, right. uh, written for the show. Like every time together. you see the strike, you get that funky bass line. Yeah. That every Trek fan knows. 
<laughs> but it's like I, I think you're making it's a good it's a good point to stop on in terms of you know because everything is 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 I don't say weaponized now, but um, but that notion of you, you, we're, it, there's so much conversation about nostalgia. What does it mean? How much of it is cynical mining things? And and but it is it's the difference of someone like you said. I think you said it best that you can tell it's hard enough to make anything work great and make a story work well and bring characters back in a way that you've got to have them change. But to have things in there that are I even hate the term Easter eggs. I hate because yeah. it, it itself makes it into something rewarding you for recognizing something is separate from the enjoyment of the piece. When right. I see Captain Rachel Garrett, the red lady, you know, I'm like, that's cool. It doesn't take me out of it. I'm like, oh, this is a world that the fabric of this world is 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 continuous and vast. Canon enriches and it. Yeah. It enriches it because it means that all that stuff happened. It means that the creators with, have gone on this journey the same as you have. Right. Yeah. But they're not making it like, you know, I don't say throwing it in your face. Again, it all it's 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 how it's done, but that's it's less about how many things are packed in there or how it's about does it enhance your sense of time and does it resonate? And they Star exist Trek. inside their own context so that yeah. you can whether you if you don't know what they are. You are not sitting there wondering what the hell that is or why that's that point. It is self-evident. Having a let's just get it out of the way. Having a fleet museum is a really interesting way to get this experience. It's a part of the story. It's a it's a it's a big story point through several a couple different times. But it's like, yes, you have a moment where all these ships are in the fleet museum and Jordy runs it. Like, okay, that's a choice. And it works because it's not like saying. I don't know what the alternative would have been about no, how to get it's all not those like saying in there. Worf is running the Fleet Museum. Yeah, but well, you know but what like, I would say? I just want to say yeah. one thing. I don't think the Fleet Museum, and I loved it. I loved it. I don't think that's an inspired idea. You know, Ron and Brandon had it when they yeah. were doing all good things. It's an Ron old idea. Bell, Star, it's an old yeah. idea. It's great. It accomplished exactly what it needed to do. It, it, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was perfect. But to me, along the lines of what you're saying, what's so great is that scene where Patrick is sitting eating dinner alone and the, the, the cadets come over and said, oh, we have these questions about these missions you went right. on and tell us about and tell us about it, tell us about it. And then he starts telling us and in those stories are episodes we knew and, right. and then he wanted me to tell, I had to communicate through metaphor, right? That is so great. And then as good as that is, you have the payoff when you reveal and it's brilliantly shot. Ed Spieler is sitting there have you God, ever wanted so your own family? Yeah. Starfleet is the only family I ever needed. That hurts more than <sighs> any phaser shot. Mm -hmm. That hurts more than any transporter accident. What we got back didn't live long, man. He eviscerates him right there, not knowing Forget the damage that he's syndrome. done. That's the real killer. That <laughs> that was the, that was kind of the thing that was it was very insistent throughout the season. Again, like all of these things, like these member berries, the Easter eggs, the fans, or whatever you want to call it, it all provided emotional ammunition for scenes. So the bad version of the Fleet Museum is you go and like, well, there's Kirk's Enterprise and there's this and there's that and that's fun. Um, but instead what you get is, well, there's the Voyager, right? And look, I didn't really 
really even like that show. But I suddenly found myself getting fucking nostalgic yeah. for Voyager. Why? Because, because the, the character, music. character. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And you believed yeah, yeah. it like in her own context that she yes. was telling you a story about her life that you cared about because we cared about her. And then to just go for like the deep cuts that were just fun and not just, well, there's the bird of prey. No, 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 yeah. really. Like there's like Kirk's bird of prey. It has an answer to our problem, a very Kirkian answer yeah. to our problem. And it's so fucking clever. They named the episode after it. And also, by the way, that was a whole double entendre. But it, it, that was the, 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 you know, the, there was, it was, I think, I can't even think of an example where they gave us something that was a, a callback that just existed uh, for its own sake, and if you didn't understand it, well, then you were just lost. And well, well, there were a couple I, for for a fa- I mean attack trouble. The Genesis device. The, the well, Genesis yeah, device. I mean, I would say there there were some sort of that were in Daystrom that I think were probably for the for the punters. I mean, yeah, but that was that like, was background. That was background yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm not saying it in a negative context. I just right. mean that there were something that even the most casual of Star Trek fan of, of a certain age with certainly anybody that knew you saw Kirk's body. I mean, like, you know, there was, yeah. that was the place to sort of, God bless them for throwing that out, yeah. you know, just saying, okay, they got Kirk's body in, in, you know, in our head cannon, maybe he's cloned, maybe he'd still come back, well, you know, it's never going to happen, but saucer section off of Viridian three, they could certainly get him. They get his saucer section off of yeah. three. So, so, so my question to you now, Steve, because you mentioned yes. this earlier, is all these wonderful characters. And before we talk about the new characters, there was one character who is in a way new to us because I, I think it's safe to say none of us were huge Voyager fans. Yeah. And I know that Seven of Nine is a stru- extremely popular character. She, you know, she ranked high on our list of 101 Great Star, but not, you know, a top 10. But oh my God, what this show does for that character. I mean, she's now, I have to say, one of my favorite characters. I love the story, the, the seventh story in this. Palms, get me the dock, Master. Control tower reading, Commander. Space dock, this is Titan, requesting permission to depart. Permission granted. Opening starboard doors. All hands prepare to leave space dock. All hands to your stations. Sir, awaiting your orders to take us out. Why don't you do us the honor, Commander Hanson? Aye, sir. Helm, you may clear all moorings. All moorings cleared. Readings looking good. Green across the board. Aft thrusters, one quarter impulse power. I commander, aft thrusters, one quarter impulse power. You're going to be a captain before you know it, Commander Hanson. Excellent recovery, Admiral. Shut it, Will. Metaphasic shields at the ready. Sensors optimal and standing by for warp. Engage. Yes, I, I agree. I think it's 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 excellent. I similarly was not um, a huge. Fan. I mean, knew or always admired her work, liked her in the show, mm-hmm. but 
I think it goes to also why we love, um, you know, sort of Starfleet based shows so much of people in uniform because they create circumstances for characters. I mean, because of her relationship with Shaw and seeing her struggle with being in Starfleet, you know, even if you didn't know Rangers and what she was doing and, and, and you obviously you knew kind of, um, that she was Borg and that, you know, she, uh, had a connection with her Voyager family and Janeway and Tuvok, but sort of her, you know, in this second in command position under a guy who she doesn't respect, at least in the, you know, the way right. we meet him is such a great, it's a classic, I mean, it's a trope in a good way, I suppose, but it's like that idea of the hierarchy of a crew on a ship gives you this framework to take those characters. And, and like I said, she wasn't until, I mean, she was on Voyager, I guess, but that was so long ago, gives you instantly a context for the two of them, there's, which was lovely. There's one thing about it that I find a little odd, and there is a, there's a big uh, surge of reactions uh, from uh, certain aspects of the community about it, and this is the thing of uh, dead naming. Um, her referring to herself as Seven of Nine, and uh, and uh, the captain wanting her to refer to her her old uh, uh, name, um, Annika, and I think that I think that the the way it's written in the in the series is wrong, and I, it doesn't feel right. Um, it, it's that she prefers the name given to her by her her captors, basically her kidnappers, and it it feels it feels not right to me. Um, that she the 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 release of her of her humanity uh, would have her calling herself Annika again, and it's just it's just very odd because it's uh, it seems it seems false to me. And, yeah, uh, but I think she reclaimed that whole debated. seven thing all those years on Voyager where she had this new surrogate family and she was seven to them. So that meant something to her and that her Borg identity was part of her. So I could see why that I, Borg name. Yeah, that's I, a good that's title, the Borg identity. The, that she was had that the Borg was, identity. <laughs> the Borg identity. Wow. The Borg oh my God, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've got awesome. supremacy here. Hold on, pause. <laughs> Coming uh, soon. Not not knowing not not knowing or recalling the specifics of how Voyager ended in that respect, but I I, I read it as that was her way of honoring the the sort of synthesis of her life. You know, of not that you can't bury the trauma of Borg, and that that actually is when she woke up. That's who she was. And it fit perfectly because Shaw's the, it naturally fit because he wouldn't call her that because right. of his own. No, I understand, and, and it, it works within and, the it works within the show. I understand that I, he's not saying question. he doesn't like the sh what the show did. He just thinks, why would she want to be called Seven? Yeah. He, given that she was a Borg right. and it was such a horrible. It's like Picard going around, "Hello, I'm Locutus." Yeah, you know? exactly. Oh, don't don't call me Jean Luc anymore. But uh, I understand what Darren's saying. I disagree, but I understand the point. That's fine. But she's yeah. she's excellent, and it, yeah, definitely, it makes you care about a dynamic. And and then I think we should talk about about Todd and, and well, Todd, Todd yeah. what a yeah. revelation! Todd because when you have that, you know, I mean, we're talking about like it's like such an at like you could have had just a show with all the things we've just talked about with Frakes and everybody, you know, doing their best, doing this great work, and had a show of like other good people in it, and yeah. then you have this character. 
who just kind of comes out of nowhere, has no antecedent in the shows, doesn't doesn't appear in any of the shows, doesn't, you know, there isn't specifically his style of captain, and yet fits so well with, we've talked about it, you know, various times, like, what does it mean to be in Starfleet, even if you're a different character? You even know, if character, you're a dipshit not, from Chicago. Yeah, even yeah. if you're a dipshit from Chicago. But that, that and such a fantastic, I thought, I mean, his performance, but also just how well um, substantiated his character was. Not forget the, not forget, but not even before you get to his Shaw, you know, his Robert Shaw Quint speech, and you find out where it all comes from, which is, you know, it's it's not it's not totally surprising in a way, but it's done so well. But the idea that he was like. He was an engineer like that. Those people come become, you know, get the command track too. that. He had this sort of fanship of of Jordy, which was fun. And it sort of allowed him to it was that's I guess what I'm getting at. It was substantiated that he was different from the captains we know on the shows. But neither was he Styles or or Esteban or the dipshits that that we don't like. Right. Um, from the and there's past. so many of those characters so many that we don't like that are just there to make our characters look smart because they're so exactly. stupid. Right. Exactly. And the great this thing show. is we don't like him at the at the beginning and it's completely but we, valid. But we well, like, like him, him for but, being who as funny and as starting as he is. Sorry, as he go as he goes along, the great thing is that we figure out that he's not wrong. His position yeah. is not wrong. Right. He's pretty that's right. What, that's what yeah. helps us open our minds a little bit. About we don't that. like him for all the right reasons. Right. Even because when he he's says that to Seven, you know, when he's just like, you can't do that. Like, yeah, I know they're your friends. And the audience is like, no, 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 go save them. Go, yeah. they're the Picard he's and Riker. Wrong. And he's like, there's 500 people on the ship. He's a what? good captain. Yeah. yeah. And but I love the fact that he just... The, First way, I mean, look, we, you know, writers and I'm obviously executives talk a lot about like how we introduce a character I is so key. And he gets one of the best character introductions in the history of Star Trek. He's, yeah. he's just eating. And he's then he already just, eating. I got started without you. He takes the piss out of everybody. It's yeah. like, no, 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 screw you guys. I work for a living. And here you are. Yeah. They give the whole speech no. and they're so cocky. And this this kind of plan, of course, this plan is going to work. And it's like, oh, we just want you to change this for the same amount of time. And won't you look great for having done this and taking the Grand Admiral? And of course, and I got to say, in 90s Star Trek, the answer would be, of course, Admiral Picard, of course. right? Except yeah. he wins and, the scene. And he goes, no. No. <laughs> and it's so funny because I remember watching and I said to Terry, I said, oh, my God, I love this character so much, and it's so great, and I feel bad because I know you're going to get so much heat from the kids. They're like, he's a bully. He's a jerk. You know, Starfleet wouldn't have somebody like this, and, and you know, and, and he's, he's mean. He's mean, and, and I really thought he was going to get so <laughs> much more pushback. Uh, from 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 the kids, right? You know, for who just who who who, who like who are uh, the kids? I'm sorry, I you've just you've just from the uh, audience when they saw it. Oh, okay. I thought the, you know the, the young the young people that they, young, they bitch the about people. this crap and um and uh, and 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 I was so gratified to see you saw a little of that in the first episode. Like this guy's horrible and he's been mean to our people. He kicked the dog, right? And and then everyone fell in love with him. So Everyone. by now it's like there's virtually no one who does, and and that's a testament to Todd that's that he made him so likable even when he's 
being a jerk to the characters that we love. No. No. I have kept this train running for five years, 36 missions. You don't get where you're told to go by standing in front of it and then moving the track. Respectfully, Captain, I am an admiral. Retired. Congrats on that. But I'm still a captain. Without a chair. Titan's mine now. I'm really sorry, fellas. I love you. I do. I love reading about all your wildly exciting and equally irresponsible adventures, but I have orders that come down from actual officers whose pay grade are far above all of ours. So, request denied. Right. You know, the thing that was, I think, I mean, the moment that I fell in love with him, other than the the uh, the, the Robert Shaw speech, uh, was... Uh, when he and Seven first have to work together, when she comes to him and she says, okay, help me figure out this changeling shit mm-hmm. and the way they do it. And then when they work together to catch the changeling and you realize, wow, he's smart. Yep. He is really, mm-hmm. he's great at his job. Yeah. He's great at the job that he came from and he's really smart. And like whatever his, con- and this to me is the best version of the Roddenberry. So he is in constant fucking conflict um, mm-hmm. with Seven. But when the job has to be done, the mm-hmm. job gets done. They yep. can put it all aside and they can be on the same team and they can execute. And I, wow, I, just, they. I just find it joyful to find competent people in the show. Well, yes. thank you. Because we've always, one thing, and we talk about this in, in 50 Year Mission, I've talked about this a lot. Star Trek has always been a meritocracy. Leonard used to talk about it all the time. Yeah. What, what he thought people really responded to in Star Trek. We all have theories, family, hope for the future. Leonard always used to say, Star Trek's a meritocracy, and people love that. They, they see when competence is rewarded. Yep. And meritocracy has become a word that's kind of a little out of fashion these days. Yeah. And, um, and, and it was, and especially in some of the other Star Trek shows where everyone is equal. They can say everyone, you know, the yeoman or the ensign can tell the captain what to do. Right. You know, and, and that there's no sense of a hierarchy. Like the captain is in command and these people are there to do what the captain said. It, it's so refreshing to see a, a, a character of competence who's in charge and, uh, and it still earns the respect of the people, still treat people well. He does actually treat his bridge crew really respectfully and well mm-hmm. but but all and he asked for their opinion but they're also not joking and undermining him with little snarky comments and everything else no um, look, <laughs> i mean it's but you're 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 right i mean the it's it's really kind of throwback trick but it mm-hmm. it works and it was a really good point i hadn't even thought about it that the way that he actually does treat his crew very well. He gets really into well. it with seven, but for reasons that we begin to understand. And oh, by the way, you know what? It was like he was actually maybe too nice to her in that yeah. first episode. Well, how would you feel? How would you feel if your writer's assistant went around you to her old boss, right? And oh, did fired. something for them and screwed you. You're over, fired. Right? You it's the same point. thing. So, you know, he thought he could trust her. Number two, she should be loyal to him. Yeah. But instead, she goes and does something for her old boss and and, and it undermines him. She, he can't trust her anymore. You totally understand where he's coming from. Yeah. 
it's just really well executed because it's it's as you're saying that the 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 audience is rooting for our characters to do what they need to do to get to where they need to go to we're rooting for seven to help them because loyalty and he could have simply been just a stock um obstacle or antagonist in the way that terry executed him mm-hmm. and he wasn't and that that extra 10 percent fit whatever it is is everything because it makes the whole world feel real and your own sense of of, of you know your your loyalties your you know what you want to happen complicates it because yeah. th- they're wrong i mean it, and they do get completely screwed and every people die and it's all of those things that he accuses them of in the dinner and he's not right. a wimp by the way and not only does he first of all defeat riker and picard you know when they have their first encounter with the shrike he's not the guy saying now we have to get the hell out of here right. it's like uh-uh, no we we're engaged now so i'm going to find out what it is we're up against and i'm like you know what you go, girl. I mean, that is like, that is exactly what a Starship captain should But say. also, how great is it when Jack is going to beam over to the Shrike and give himself up? And he says, great, fantastic, yeah. let him go, right? Yeah. And then Picard says, I can. He says, yeah, why not? He goes, because he's my son. And the way Todd plays it, oh, damn it, okay. Yeah, right. I, I, it just changes on a dime. Yep. We can't let this guy go. We're going to war. It is what it is, you know? Yep. And it's just such a great turn. And look, for an eon, we did this great character, Star Trek character list. And then this show came on and all of a sudden completely <laughs> torpedoed this it's, whole stupid list. Yeah, because, don't do it again. It was too late. No, we're not going to do it again. But it. obviously, Riker would be much higher. Seven to nine would be much higher. We just talked about, obviously, Captain Shaw would 100% be on it. Let's talk about um, some of the other new characters. I love... Sydney LaForge. Totally love Sydney LaForge. Yeah. And he that is actress great. is so great. She's so charismatic. And you believe her as, as an officer, but as a young officer. Right. Um, who just wants, she has things to prove, but not like in an obnoxious way. Right. Well, and she's an expert in what she does and what she knows. So she's an expert in piloting and she's an expert in engineering because her dad was a brilliant engineer. She's not offering advice or talking about things that are outside of her purview. Right. Right. And she's just so charming and a a great character. And what a great backstory too, that her dad expected her to be an engineer, but she wanted to be a pilot. I mean, originally crash LaForge, (laughs) crash LaForge. I mean, it's so much fun. It's like, I'd love to see more of that character. Um, And then, Go ahead, yeah. Steve. I was going to, you, you, you're leading discussion. You please. Well, I was going to say, and what about Ed Spielers, who yeah. Yeah. talk about star making performance? Yeah. yeah. Also, a role a great that character. could not be more thankless on the surface of, of what it could be and how it could be played and how, because not just, this is what I was going to, what I was going to ask you guys about uh, in your opinion, because it's like the, it's the private Ryan problem. It's like, you're, you know, I, 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 you know, asked Matt about this once where it was just like, okay, you, you're Matt Damon. You're going to, you're going to go take that role in the, the, the worst role in the Steven Spielberg movie, the right. guy they got to go save. And it's like, well, cause it's Steven Spielberg and you're going to be in that part. And you're literally like every, and so I was, I thought that's what was so interesting about this because yes, you're the, you know, technically you find out pretty quickly that he's Patrick's son, that he's Picard's son. But he's very, very quickly, and for most of the story, the problem in a way that it's like he, he, he everyone's looking for him. 
Right. And he can't do anything about it. He can't, I mean, he can do, I mean, I, I wanted to see what you guys thought about the, his story and the mystery of, of how, how that unfolds about what his, why he's different. But as a character who's just has stuff happen to him, I find out on this, I find out, uh, you know, my, I'm the cause of these deaths. I'm the one who just, I, I try to give myself up. I can't. It's thankless. Like it's a hard part in a lot of ways because totally agree. You just got to like be there and have everybody be mad at you. And there's no sense, but there's no self pity. Right. Um, there's also no self importance. Um, I oh, believe you have to be that- the, the, the petul- like the non petulant yeah. son who's like, I don't mm-hmm. want to talk to the dad and he's, I don't like him because I think he's a dick. And then eventually I'm going to. Like, I, I more very, believe that Jack Crusher is uh, is Jean-Luc Picard's son than I ever believed that uh, David Marcus was. Oh, well, totally. Because yeah. Merrick Patrick had the hardest job in the world being the son of the most charismatic man, charismatic man in the universe. Now, Ed, Ed, you know, has the second hardest job being the son of one of the, the, the second Moving most charismatic man in the universe. And, yeah. and, and he is sensational and i love the matt damon analogy it's funny because he ends up being jason Bourne, seeing him you know another matt damon character but he also but manages to be knocking that at all i just yeah. mean that that no, no, yeah. you know, so role that was in private Ryan. to play the one that everybody has to say well you're but, mr but, Wu or harry lime the one everyone's talking about and then at the end it's like uh you know but and he has like, his own thing. story he's he is forging his love forging his own um, identity in this, and we watch him do things that, on some level, oh, maybe it's self-interest, but no, actually, it's it's pretty heroic, uh, and he's resourceful. He comes up with some pretty good plans, and he's he's brave. He's all the things that you would want him to be. I mean, he's the guy who kind of comes up with the bounty plan, and it's pretty perfect. Um, but, but, but he's humane. But I love the whole like you know you do those those drive-by bits of observational poetry. Like, it's just awesome. I compare that to Tom Hardy and Nemesis. Tom Hardy, I think we all agree, is a phenomenal actor with oh, charisma to spare. And yet, it's an all, It's not a great performance, and was, I certainly don't uh, buy him I was as a right. I was just, like I said, just watching it, and I was like, uh, and now, and see, since, you know, obviously all watching the show, and I'm like, wow, this was a bad idea. Like, it just, it does not work in Nemesis. Like, it is so... It's the part, it does start to fall, the movie falls off the cliff at that point. And but. yet Ed, as his son, works so well. And and I see some of the criticism has been, oh, it's another son of, uh, of, of a captain that they didn't know about. But he, you know, yeah, but Kirk knew about his son. Kirk knew about yeah. his son. Pat, uh, uh, Picard didn't. And it's not necessarily just about the son, it's about how the, the son illuminates characters we thought we knew. Beverly, Picard. Riker. Again, Riker. the stuff that if you think about just every episode with what, what Ed had to play of a guy who's never in control, mm-hmm. like that's really hard. It's like he's finding out that, again, he doesn't know why they're looking for him. OK, I'm different. Then this stuff starts happening to him and you can't explain it when it's happening. And then he finds out, oh, it's aromatic syndrome. I'm going to die because the thing you get, it's like constant stream of, of just like I'm being pushed back and everyone else is moving the story this way and trying to protect me. And yeah. I'm, I just think it's actually a very well rendered on the page, but also just how he does it with Terrific. real frustration and like yeah. weird kind of. I I, I was really impressed because again, you could imagine more than any other element of the this story. I think that character and that 
story element just just not being good enough because you're just okay it's the thing the MacGuffin it's the trying to get him and he's got the thing and you meaning you can talk about the his function in the story because he is the reason for it all being in a sense and you have to parse it out in a in a you know procedural way but that's not easy to play like if you didn't have a character in it it could have very easily just been like eh, fine you know who else i loved amanda plummer oh my god Mm -hmm. because we've seen these these who's our con we've talked about this a million times on the show and she she in a way it's like who's our con it's you know it's amanda plummer but We've never seen a performance like this. You know, I think Eric Bana tried to do it in 2009, tried and died. Uh, whereas, you know, Amanda is just so quirky and interesting as an actress in general. And what she does here is just so much fun. This is the uh, one thing I gotta, I gotta split with you on this. I did not like that character at all. I, wow, I, I found words. I found her extremely annoying. You found her? Hey, oh, <laughs> that's good. Maybe he'll change his opinion. Very, very clever, Mr. Asbell. Um, <laughs> I found the character uh, sort of uh, too comic booky and uh, too sort of on the nose. Um, and I, I just I didn't enjoy any scenes that she was in. Uh, and you know maybe that's just me, but that that's the sort of the one thing that I that I uh, didn't enjoy in this season. Uh, wow. I, I don't know how it could have been done differently, um, and I have no suggestion. But uh, it just it just hit me it hit me wrong for some reason. You didn't like the Jello pudding, yeah. Okay, especially um, the Jello pudding on her hand that turned into a floating guys, hand. But, but that's interesting. You know, obviously nothing's ever perfect. The show isn't perfect. Darren mentioned something he didn't like about it. Tell me, Ashley, what, what did you bump on? What, what didn't you like about the show? Um, You know, obviously for everything that I've said, clearly I, I hated every minute of it. But no, I uh, there were like, there were just, there were little things that occasionally would sort of like, that would, that would, pull me out of it um, as a, as an intellectual exercise. And it's, it's the dumbest stuff in the world. And it has really nothing to do with the, with the characters or um, with how the, how the story moved forward. But things like the, uh, when we do the first flashback and it's two weeks earlier, but the way that everybody is behaving, it doesn't feel like it was two weeks ago. Right. And then yeah. when the when Beverly kind of gives the description of when everything started happening, it was like it was months ago. But she talked about, well, it's this time that we saw the Fenris Rangers, which sort of sounds like what we saw in the two weeks ago flashback. So there mm. were little things that didn't track. And then there were just there were other things that it was like sometimes it was we're sticking with what happened in season one and season two of this Fakakta show, but because we kind of have Good to. Good use of the word for cocta. Thank you. I'm learning from the, at the feet of the master. Uh, Apparently, but- someone uh, on Facebook proposed a uh, Inglorious Trexperts drinking game, and they said every time Mark uses a Yiddish word, you should uh, <laughs> take a drink. Oy vey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know there were just there were things that like, like maybe get into, into spoiler territory. But I just kind of wondered about how this square got circled um, in a couple of ways. I mean. 
look, it's for me, my test is, am I having an emotional reaction to what I'm seeing? And is the is the show that I'm watching able to to pull me in and and do that for me, even if I have like this question and that question? Mm-hmm. And it always passed that test because you know, look, my this is just my personal philosophy as a as a writer, which is that nobody ever remembers the fucking plot. Yep, nobody. Um, you know, it's my Star Wars test, right? Like you pass out like a piece of paper to a hundred people in a room who've all seen Star Wars. You ask them to tell you exactly what happened. You will get a hundred different answers and they'll all be wrong. But even more so for television. Yeah. It's all 100%. about the characters. It's not about the plot. The, yeah. the, 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 it's about the, the moment. The plot is a MacGuffin. That's right. So it's yeah. like on some level, it's like, well, who cares? Okay. So somebody put that two weeks ago cry on on there. All right. Well, I don't care. Well, that's why um, some I, of the criticisms to me are completely Absurd, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I, but, but they, there, there's these OCD kind of like focus on some of these things. I don't care about the Starship porn. I don't care about the, um, you know, a lot, a lot of nonsense. Because all, all, all that matters to me are the character moments of the writing, and and those those are first rate. If I was going to offer criticism, you know, and again, this is nothing that could have been fixed. I think it would have worked better as thirteen episodes than ten. Yes, I feel, I feel it's a little rushed at the end. That's but, first of all, I love the Starship. So, I mean, I'm so glad how much how much work that went into the the both the you know the historical ships and getting to kind of have their place in this in the story. But I you know I did for I had a moment where I was like we had so many different um, of the shows now uh, the new shows that have spanned different eras Discovery being in its era now in thirty second century or whatever but sort of how the next gen evolution of those lines. Um, and I was bumped at the beginning. I was like, oh, wow. So they really went and took the kind of um, refit, uh, 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 you know, TOS movie shapes uh, and, and kind of melded that aesthetic with the, the next generation and beyond, um, uh, y- y- you know, styling. But I, I sort of dig it. Like, and I kind of was like, oh, okay, this feels like a good both reclamation of a thing that I love because it feels like Star Trek. It yeah. feels like Star Trek. And I feel, I guess that's what I mean is that the, that these ships in, cause I was Star Trek. I mean, we've talked about this. I, you know, the ships were always a huge part for me. Yeah. Well, of, and the Titan's of, a nice looking ship. But, but just how, how crazy the ships in the, certainly the far future just become so organic looking. Which you could say, I mean, it's a testament to how brilliant the, the what do they call the fat one, how brilliant the D Galaxy class is, because it sort of was like kind of wild at the time that that that, that they yeah. did. It was and widely despised. Despised. Shit. Widely yeah. despised. I want to talk about I want to talk about the D, but before we do that, I, I just want to say my only other criticism, and I think there's some truth to this, which people have expressed, is the color timing. And again, this is not anyone. Unfortunately, this is the aesthetic of the new Star Trek, which mm-hmm. takes its cues from the movies. The, the fact that it, it is so dark yeah. um, and it, it, it's so, un, you know, I'm not saying go back with that 90s kind of bright, uh, you know, key key lighting, but it, it's just, it's too dark. It doesn't need to be that. Agreed, dark. agreed. But it does give a spectacular contrast to in episode nine, yeah. where we go aboard right. that old ship. Awesome. And, Everything is bright again, and it, it, there it's like there's there's stepping out into the light. Well, let's talk about that. 
I want to before we move to that. To my, I don't have a criticism. It's it's different. It's it's not criticism. I think it's more what you just said about having. I don't know. Again, thirteen episodes, twelve. I don't know how this TV shit works, but I felt like I wanted more of certain things. And when you say it felt rushed, it's the it, to me it was everything about Frontier Day and the notion that like. You know, there was a, I can't remember if I don't want to say something that was in 10. If I, I don't want to spoil something in advance of like what was going on with all of the ships. Oh, yeah, it was. It was in nine, right? Because they had to get the enterprise because everything else was like the yeah. ocean. It was the very Battlestar, you know, Ron's Battlestar yeah. idea. Well, yeah, that all the ships are connected. Which isn't necessarily bad. I don't mean, no, they copied it from, yeah. from, they didn't, but it was, it's very redolent of it. But it's but it's something that I wish that had been set up earlier with respect to there was there was an element about the Federation and what was going on in the world, um, which I know you couldn't really step away from in those early episodes, the Titan and what was going on. Because they kind of did, though. They kind of yeah. did. Uh, it was a little later. It was maybe uh, episode six or seven uh, when someone said, oh, well, that's why they found us, because they're all connected. Yeah. No, no, I knew it was was in there. I just didn't understand why, like... You wanted to be platformed a little bit. Well, is that what what they call it? I feel like I'm just a a babe in the woods of television. (laughs) But the... I guess what I was looking at, I was like, hey, this is the board, guys. Like, you're you're all... Like, does anybody think about that? That the whole idea of sort of this technology being linked in a way that... I didn't understand why. Like, what was the the value? Advantage. Well, I'll, I'll put my you nerd have to understand the way things work on a starship, and, and, and not like my like my Star stuff. Trek nerd hat, but my nerd nerd hat. Uh, and this was like my you know my my previous life, like working for the the CNO nerd hat. And uh, there was a even back in the nineties, in the early nineties, there was a concept called network centric warfare. And one of the the big ideas of it was this, that, and to a certain extent, it was implemented, okay? So uh, every single ship in the fleet would be connected by all of the computer communication systems, all the sensor systems. They would share a common picture of everything. Um, And in the the network-centric warfare version of it, the ideal response uh, to any threat um, would be, uh, it might be one guy pushing a button, but what responds is from the, the optimal platform, right? So you could be standing like on the USS Abraham Lincoln, push a button, and the thing that happens happens off the deck of like some Arleigh Burke. And what made everybody a little bit wiki-wacky about that was captains wanting to be responsible for the things that happen on board their ships. So it was an old idea. Um, I mean, I can't even believe I'm saying that. It's like, goes back to the, well, to the 90s. Sorry, so to yeah. me, it was like, well, of course, why aren't they doing that? But then it was like, you're right. It's like, hmm. I just <laughs> is anybody going, I, I, it just felt like a such a big to you? element of the climax that, it, it, and especially when you sort of view that against the backdrop of a, a conspiracy to infiltrate Starfleet, which I buy. I mean, that that was clear. I don't mean anything. And it wasn't anything, by the way, that wasn't clear. I actually just wanted more, uh, you know, about that or sort of even a little bit of of, of Starfleet. I mean, and you saw, obviously, Tuvok, but it wasn't Tuvok. And kind of you never, 
I, I, I anyway, I, I, it doesn't matter. It's great. <laughs> um, no, look, uh, and, and I think these are all quibbles because obviously this is a huge success for us. I completely agree with that. I felt that that was kind of introduced late. And, you know, I think there's something really interesting going on right now with AI, where everybody's talking about, is AI going to destroy humanity? And so I think, you know, Star Trek at its best, you know, sort of deals with these things. So like networking the fleet, it's like an M5 question. It's like, I think there's more to explore there, which probably goes to my point about, oh, I could have really benefited from 13 episodes because it's something that's like sort of set up as the catalyst for how the Borg were able to take over, but we don't really explore it in any kind of meaningful way. Anyway, it is what it is. But let's AI talk about not a moment. destroy humanity. It's just going to destroy what's left of good taste. <laughs> so let's talk about, obviously, one of the great moments. Uh, Darren, you were, when you were working on the show, you were there when they built it. Uh, you spent some time on the set of the D. Actually, was it like? was it was after I worked on it. They they were oh, nice okay. enough. They were nice enough to let me come back and visit when they had the when they had the new setup, and uh, it was great. It was uh, uh, you know it was amazing. the The new set of the Bridge of the D um, is built so much better than the original one was. It's just so it, it's just so much better, it's and it yeah. it's it's it looks exactly the same. And because I, I was on the I was on the bridge uh, uh, of the D during uh, generations, and uh, it's it, it's just so much better, and it feels so right. And you know, seeing it in the show though was such a wonderful uh, callback. You know, seeing everyone walk on the on the bridge and the lights coming on mm-hmm. was just a rebirth. And Majel's voice and Majel's mm-hmm. voice, yeah, it was so so heartwarming. And uh, and emotional uh, for again for those people who went through that journey from 36 years ago, you know. And it, it it's such a, a a great gift to be able to you know for a few moments go back home again and uh, experience the things you experienced back then. Hello, chair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, uh, look. Obviously, watching the original Star Trek movies. You know, Star Trek the Motion Picture when it's Star Trek Two, you know these great moments. There's things in Star Trek Six, obviously, that really um, get you because of the attachment that we have to those characters in that show. Yeah, uh, I feel like the reveal, of the D, and them stepping back. It's it's we've come home, you know, and 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 it Star Trek Three, um, but it's a, it's a really special moment. Uh, the fact that they recreated it in a way, it has that feeling that Jimmy Dewan and Re- Relics on the yeah. original bridge yeah. had, and it, it is just—it's spectacular. They ha- they have some fun with it. Um, it. It is germane to the story. The fact that it's not on the network, um, it, it is really, really great. And you know, having been on that set many times, the original yeah. back during the days of the Next Generation, you know. Um, uh, it, it, it was just, it was, it was just great. And I'll, I'll never forgive myself because I never sat in the captain's chair. Because they told me no one except Patrick is supposed to sit in the captain's chair. This was, and then you saw a grip in it. And you're no, like, my, my, I know so many people who sat in that yeah. fucking captain's chair, and I never did it, and it always pissed me off. But anyway, you know, it was amazing. Here's what I find interesting about the the D reveal, and and I think Darren kind of you, you you got to it when you were talking about how the the lighting changed. I mean, look, Picard is not 
grimdark. You know what I mean? It's like it's not a show that's like, okay, we're all I mean, look, it's a it's it's deep space nine dark when it's dark. Um, it's not like, you know, it, it's not self-indulgent in that way. Mm-hmm. But look, like any good movie, by that point in the movie, we feel like all hope is lost. You know, right? We feel like we're screwed mm-hmm. and we've got nothing. Yeah. And when they walk aboard that bridge and those lights come on and she starts moving out of space stock, out of the, the fleet museum, you know, it's it's perfectly timed. Again, it's emotional ammunition. It's we swell with hope, yeah. which is which is what that starship was all about. You know what I mean? It's it just it it's exactly the right moment because it provides us with exactly the right response. Suddenly we're going, okay, now we've got a chance mm-hmm. because this ship, these people, like they represent like they represent what's possible. And it's and also a great payoff to how what, what you guys said earlier of how they chose to introduce the various characters mm-hmm. in in sequence and and dramatize most of their differences, certainly Beverly and, and Picard, certainly Riker and Picard for that whole section on the Titan, you know, Geordi's resistance to wanting to do it, Data's various personalities, all of that, so that when they do finally get there together, they play that moment of wherever you go, we go, yeah, and yeah. it is a payoff. It is not a foregone conclusion at the beginning of the show. Like, hey, we're back together because this mm-hmm. situation is so dire. The situation was dire before, but when they yeah. finally get there and they can take their places and it's the, you know, the joke of the field, I'll accept the field demotion and all of that, it's not that, that we haven't, okay, the show just got, that's maybe another way of saying it is, Oh, we finally got the thing we wanted and it just got good when they all got back on the ship because that's what we want to see. It's we liked it all the way through and then they got on and you realize like it was earned. Yeah. They got the band back together in episode nine. Yes. Which is great to deal with the thing Mm -hmm. and to actually deal with their issues when that's what i'm saying when Riker says wherever you go we go is mm-hmm. is a capper on that story and all the things that they've just gone through which is the point that you can't actually go home again in a lot and of that's star trek that and, is star trek that's family when you got to do the job and you're back on the thing and that jordy had this for them and that it had been sitting there that it was it's not like again a last minute thing that he'd been restoring it for 20 years but or whatever also, hiding in plain a, sight there's a reason that the Enterprises were number one on our character list mm-hmm. because the Enterprise is a character, and, and they finally the final reunited mm-hmm. to be reunited with everyone yeah. else. They got the whole family there and Rafi. Yeah, <laughs> you, and uh, Rafi, but Rafi is not on the D. I what think, do you think Worf did to the E? I, I was a lot, a lot of that, speculation. That's a great throwaway that. line, and I, I I hope that we'll find out someday. That, to me, that's yeah. like we don't talk about that. I love leave that. it at that. Yeah. You know, when they talk about that, deal with it. I love that it was like it just wasn't there. I and didn't. No. I didn't hate Rafi this season. Oh, I didn't. Oh, either. I did. Oh, I, I did. And my wife did. She's like every time one of those scenes came on, particularly in the first couple episodes before Worf shows up, it's like, what is with this person? I think pairing I said her up from the first two seasons. Pairing her up with Worf is great. Well, that helped. That yeah. helped. And, and once she was with I Worf, didn't it was hate her. I hated her in the previous seasons. We we haven't said, by the way, just on that note, how fucking awesome Michael Dorn is in the in the show. Oh, oh Michael is so great. He's, great. he's so great. He hasn't lost a step. No, he's better. Better. Yeah. 
And he's brought he's brought new layers to it that are fascinating. So much more confident, I would even not that he was ever not, but I just mean the sort of what he was playing about the you know the alien in the room. The what a delight! Yep. It, so funny and but charming, but awesome and 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 you know fierce. But everything and not out of character and not yeah. out of character. No, completely in character. Like some chamomile tea. I mean, it was like. Great. But even but he's grown. That's like, yeah, he's, he's grown. He's changed. You know, I mean, he's the whole idea of embracing pacifism, but not. You know, yeah. it's <laughs> like, it's it's terrific. And and like, even the reveal, the bridge, that, that scene where he's just like, I thought, you know, the, the weapons on the E were much better. He's <laughs> yeah. perfect. Like it's still that you know, there's still enough of a of a you know nod to each of them of who they are. That's what I mean. Data saying "hello, chair" is not technically a you know. It's like it's a line that's sort of recalls who he was. Yeah, well, I think the Way. show really benefits from the camaraderie the actors have. You yeah. know, whereas we all know that the original crew, uh, you know, they didn't really love each other that much, right. right? With Next Generation, we know, despite like any family, they don't always get along, but they love each other. They've known each other for. 30 years and it comes across on screen. It's funny because we've talked on the show a lot about how, you know, if it had been up to us, we would never brought Spock back. And I, for, for a while, I kind of bumped on data being back. It's like, I felt like he wanted to go. He wanted yeah. to go in nemesis. He wanted to be killed off. Well, if it's death, let it be death. Right now. I did think that, and, and we've seen this in every bottle show. Oh, the mindscape where, you know, two characters are in the mind because it's cheap and easy to do. But I have to say, they got me. Like, it was right. earned. That was great. The battle between Laura and Data was really well done and yep. the way that Data wins. So it's like, okay, this is almost worth bringing Brent back again. Because I think I would have enjoyed having Brent back if they hadn't put him in every show before this for no reason, where right. he, yeah. he was it was completely unearned. Like, here at least, you know, obviously... We got to figure out a way that he can be old and he doesn't have to wear the make, yellow makeup and that we can make it easy for Brent. And well, we doesn't can that just prove that too many, too many is about fan service versus, you know, things having a, a reason for being there? Like yeah. it, when he showed up before, it was, oh, he's kind of there. And now it's, oh, now we know why he's here. And it means something. The fleet has initiated an attack formation against Earth. Orbital weapon platforms have been destroyed, but Space Dock's defenses appear to be repelling the assault. For now. Planetary shields won't hold against that fleet. Where the hell is the cavalry? Emergency hails from both Federation and civilian ships have now gone silent. Apparently, we are the cavalry. The fleet is being controlled by the Collective. A hive mind with a single voice. The Bulgar here. Mr. Data. Scanning, Captain. If space dock falls, there'll be nothing standing between an assimilated fleet and Earth. If Earth falls, everything falls. Every planet, every system. Long-range sensors are picking up a board vessel. Jupiter, sir. Lay in the course. Maximum war. Aye, Captain. Engage. And I, I think also what, what having Brent there really helped Jordy's character. Like mm -hmm. the friendship, you really, they really did something interesting with that friendship. When, when, when LaForge is pleading with, with Data to, to, to come overcome Lore, you know, because he loves him and cares about him. I think that's a really special scene and it really helps inform 
uh, Jordy, because that's another character that they really did right by. Because Jordy was another thankless role yep. uh, throughout most of the TV series and the movies. And the movie. and, and and what they do with him here is wonderful. The fact that he's like, I'm not going to help you, Picard. And you're like, yeah. what? Wait, wait, wait. I, I, just say, I think he had plenty of excellent highlights in the show. I don't think the movies did him any justice no. or at least enough. You mean when he turned into a lizard man? Remove the visor and, 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 you know, but it's like, yeah, this was, he was, uh, he was great. He was great. And, and look, LeVar is such a terrific actor. And I, I, I just think it's great. And having, putting his own, his real daughter in it is one of his daughters yeah. and she's fun and she's good. And just, uh, it's just like, you, it's a family affair and you, you sense it, you know, it's a family affair. Wow. And uh, oh it's it's God. really uh, really time. really really good 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 stuff. So okay, so obviously a lot of love for this this show, this these ten episodes, this mini series we'll call it, because we're not going to say it's a lot of love for, for Star Trek Picard. It's a lot of love for Star Trek Picard season three, uh, the next next generation mini series we'll call it. Um, did it stick the landing? I'd like to know what you guys think. Um, episode ten. Steve Aspel. For sure. Um, in, 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 in almost every way. In fact, I think it not only once you, once you reveal what the baddie is and the suggestion of the specific who of the queen and of the, the fact that that was the, the underlying threat was actually personal to Picard Mm-hmm. And that it became about again. It's a it's a convoluted thing when you when you when you look back and say, okay, they needed the body because the thing had gone through the thing, and 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 you know, it, it's a little. It's again, it's not. I, I don't think it as a negative. I just mean like there was a lot of of um, mileage to deal with in terms of um, the misdirect of of Amanda Plummer's character, Avatic. Um, and who they were. Well, how surprising was that in episode eight that she gets blown out of an airlock and you're like, wait, she's not the villain? She's yeah, not no, the no, villain. All that was, I, I'm saying it was just, it was to get there. You're fighting, okay, yeah. that's what's behind the door and it's a thing. But that, oh, it was hurt when he says what she's capable of, you know, because he's like all of a sudden it goes from being the Borg as Star Trek villain, you know, extraordinaire to first contact. And the well, queen, it's funny. I'll. That I'll be the contrarian. Like I actually kind of said, Oh, it's the Borg again. I was kind of a little disappointed, but it's executed so well that I didn't mind because I love that scene where Troy goes running to put Patrick and it's like, he's, you know, this is what's going on. A holy shit. And that it's personal to progress. I just feel like we've told that story a couple of times. And every time we deal with the trauma of the Borg, I feel like it diminishes family a little bit more. That wonderful episode yeah. that I love so much, well, but uh- well, that damage had been done, I, I would argue, by previous. Uh, yes, I mean, by the time we got to dissent, that damage had been done. Well, no, no, I just mean post the, the TNG. But I, I think yeah. the the idea that it, it for me anyway, because I agree. I mean, there's certainly kind of the danger of a buildup like that, only to reveal that it's a char- it's a it's a it's a villain or a, a characters that had been in the season or even series in a different in this new in Picard in a in a different context but that it finally played into the themes that 
we were they were talking about in terms of family, in terms of belonging, in terms of never having children, the idea of which is the underlying thing for Jack, which was the connections and the, you know, the the vines. I didn't quite get that memory stuff with the well you're all connected and well no i, mean, I got it i just went it, when it, the, the pedals and mm. some of the visualization of it i didn't i didn't you know drop uh uh you know in terms of getting to the door because yeah. i feel like that is also imagery that has been used in some of the other series recently like the mm. doors and the you know when it gets too hallucinatory um, yes i get a little you know but the reveal that there was something actually happening he was the transmitter they needed him um but that but it, it absolutely works so much better in season three but you're right the fact that some of that ha had been done in season two was not helpful or, which is really discovery they'd use some or at least what i saw that they had anyway a door and whatever what are you saying Ed? oh i just saying that, that was honestly my my only real uh, bump on it was like there was a part of me that was trying to square the circle with like season two, but then I realized fuck season two, I don't care. Um, because what is what to me and why I think it stuck the the landing in terms of the the plot stuff was that it managed to bring it all together in a in a very deeply personal emotional way, and so all of that again, you know, plot it's it's emotional ammunition. All of that stuff pays off in a way that Picard is now, um, you know, forced to contend with all the changes in his life, all of the roads not taken, um, his relationship with Jack. Like he is now trying to be a good father by saying, like, here are all the things that I've learned, kid. Here's like, and here's all the mistakes that I've made, and here's all the things that that I've done right. And not only that, it manages to justify. Um, you know, the and not in a plotty way, but like the the existence of Seven of Nine in this story and her relationship with her borginess, it manages to make Shaw's relationship with everybody precisely perfect. And it adds a new layer to his speech about the USS Constance and what happened aboard her and what happened to him. Um, and even like little throwaway lines, like I'm not talking about that weird shit on the stargazer. I'm talking about the real Borg. They're out yeah. there someplace, which I thought was like a great little moment. I was kind of happy to sort of see it. So there was, there was all of that stuff that came together, but I have to tell you, like what, what, what worked best for me was that it just, it was so propulsive and emotional. And then like when it, came to an end to realize that we had basically been watching this, hopefully, a, a backdoor pilot for a show. Wow. I mean, with, well, like, let, let me, the, before you get to that, let okay, me just say, yeah. what I love what you said about the Borg and why I think it ultimately works so well is the Borg were really warmed over cyberpunk from the 80s. And what Terry did, or his, his writing room did, was he, he, he turned it into something that was very 21st century. Jack, there is so much. I am never letting a goddamn Benzoid come near me again. Everyone, everyone has their secrets. Things that they should be allowed to keep to themselves, not put up on some psychic display. The fact that she's a former Starfleet counselor raises some serious... Jack, counselor Just Troy. tell me, tell me, what did she see in here? Because it became a biological genetic thing and not just a cyberpunk thing. So I think the way that the Borg were... Um, sort of implanted in everybody and that it became kind of a genetic 
you know, rewriting of the DNA was so interesting because I think it it took it out of the 90s and it made it very much of the moment. So it felt fresh and new. And I kind of, you know, I kind of loved, yeah. you know, given their budget, what they did with Alice, obviously having another actress play her is in this yeah. sort of weird, messed up form and having Alice do the voice. I mean, that was that was smart. But I thought that that the other new thing about it that I thought was interesting was that they were a, a, a decrepit, meaning that she had eaten them all, you know, that mm-hmm. they were their last it was like a Grimm's fairy tale that it was not the Borg resurgent. It was the Borg angry yes. and she meaning through her had yeah. been it's a tomb i think one somebody warp says and you realize like the desperate gambit of this plan was not ha 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 here's another you know here's our next thing it's like this is it this is the end game because there's no and 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 this and maybe she didn't say it but i felt that that she had survived kind of on this hatred yeah. Of, yes. Of guard and the sort totally. of pressure of of taking Jack as the means to reconstitute them because when they get her white well and it's all dead the dead the sort of zombie dead I mean there are few of them I guess that are kind of you know go after them but that that it was not that they've been waiting in there and that it, it was um you, you know pretty dark like that's what she was doing Super and then, creepy when it wasn't she, just the same old shit. There, but yeah. I would have loved to have seen in that final scene because you know it seems like space dock is the, the one thing that stands between us and you know which okay. is funny because obviously Jerry has a huge space dock right fetish. Yeah, I, I know. Quite, uh, I love space I, dock. You know, I, didn't I would have really loved to have then seen like the Klingons and the Romulans show up to like that to help. Like, you know, save the Federation. I think that would have been this message of hope and people working together. And it would have just been epic. If and, you had 13 and, episodes, you could have dramatized yeah. some of that. What would, what else was happening? If somebody thought, for example, okay, Klingon or Romulan thought, heard, hey, I heard the Federation's being infiltrated. Let's make a move. You know, some other thing that was happening as the Federation was impaired in some way or threat. You just would have had to track it. You would have had to understand kind of what's going because on. I love that scene in Independence Day where, you know, the, you know, yeah, you know, the Israelis and, 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 and the Arabs are all working together to stop the aliens. And it's just like, it, it is such a sense of hope. And, and it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend and all this kind of stuff. And I just, I would have loved to have seen, you know, because this is such a love letter to Star Trek. Some of these other great races, and and part of the mythology yeah. that we sort of didn't see because and which brings us to this last 15 minutes which if if this is truly the end which it might be of not only this legacy of star trek but this good star trek you know it might be the end of 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 what they call now vintage star trek or 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 the legacy good, star wh- what star trek people like if it's the end of the star trek people like i could not imagine this is a, a more podcast. powerful 15 minutes oh my god uh, 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 then uh, these last 15 minutes which are uh, uh, heartbreaking and beautiful and they tee up what could be an amazing show and One as if it can't even get better shots in star trek show history or movie history is that shot of of the sh- like you're like wait yeah. it's there beaming that that it had to get that close to them to beam them up to, from given where they were and just have like just the sh- I was like fuck that's amazing. But I'm, I'm talking about the emotional. No no no. The, 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 the emotional was, ending. 
You're talking, about, and, like, and, you're talking about the Return of the King endings. I'm talking about the Return of the King. And you know, I'm like yes. Star Trek Four. I hate all the multiple. In this, I loved every second of it. And that Kevin Feige post-credit sequence is brilliant. It totally I mean, is. But I'm my favorite talk part. about leaving us hungry for, you gotta, I want more. I have to have more, right? You gotta keep going. There has what, to be another show. What I, what I, it just tickles me pink about the whole thing. What had me the most excited is that I love that Seven of Nine is now the captain of the Enterprise. Yes. And yes. every time I see like the the Titan now, like on the on the rewatch, or when people are like, they're doing their Star Trek Titan yeah. like main title sequence. I'm like, you people have no idea. You don't know what's it's, coming in a couple. You're days. looking at the Enterprise. You're yeah. looking at the Enterprise G. And, and let's just, face it, you said it before. The real star of Star Trek. Is not it's Kirk, it's not Picard, it's the Enterprise. Yeah. And they've forgotten that for so long. Computer, initiate system reactivation procedures. Authorization acknowledged. USS Enterprise now under command of Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Well, I hereby accept the field demotion. We've been here before. And... I'm reluctant to ask you all to face this threat again. We are the crew of the USS Enterprise. But more than that, we're your family. Jack, Alondra, Sydney, they're our family too. Jean-Luc, wherever you go, we go. Stations, please. All systems online, Captain. Weapons are ready, although they are limited. Uh, well, at least we got them. If we encounter the Borg, we're going to need to run, shoot, or hide. So, Jordy, we'll need every bit of power you can get to those old shields. Make it so. Isa. Mr. Data, set a direct course for Earth, maximum warp. Aye, Captain. Course laid in, sir. She's ready. Engage. Right? Yep. And now it's like Terry gets it. And his his team, and they're like, "Here's the Enterprise. Here's characters you love. Going boldly where Here's no one has gone before." That you it's don't that necessarily simple. know all of their names, but you know them in a friendly way. They all got moments, they and all I found got myself moments. feeling like I would kind of love to see. Like I did dig. I know that you were saying you didn't love Rafi, and you know, I, but I did like the idea that like, what a motley crew the three of them sitting on those chairs. What she says, the pirate, the 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 thief, and the and her lover. The thief, oh wait, no, the that's thief, yeah, right. the cock. It's a delicacy. Thing. But just like that, there was something so um, uh, unusual about that that she got the command, but that it was the same crew. I don't know. There was something different. But how fun that. is it that Jack Crusher strides out and takes the chair? Yeah. And and I mean, right. it's so 
clever and smart and playing and inverting your expectations and playing and you know look it's, it's really sad that todd was killed off and it's not necessarily like you can bring him back there's always a way yeah there's always a way if you can bring back freaking spock you can bring back uh, todd don't, well, guys don't 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 relitigate that <laughs> well listen i want to i want to bring back darren into the conversation so i think look we all felt that this was a very special finale and that they totally accomplished what they set out to do didn't we yes yes and, 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 and that last 15 minutes is so much heart in it oh my god is so I've much had heart in so it. much fun just watching the social reactions not just of of fans and people that 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 are casual fans but the the fun of terry and bill blass and the various writers that we've all gotten to meet a little bit online they're loving it and they're just having so much fun interacting with and they deserve it where people are like it's exciting and they're they're talking amongst each other and it's like Twitter's good for a minute, and it's but you know what's going to happen? People are going to be like, "But Q is dead. He died in the second season." They're like, "Fuck off!" Oh, come on, he's Who a Q. Cares? Forget second season. Yeah, I he's thought a- he had a really perfect uh, uh, explanation for it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. line. He was just like, "Yeah, it was perfect." The scene You're like, is so good that you. And, and- yeah, and it's funny because Delancey was saying he was so pissed off that he wasn't invited to prayer. He's like, "I'm in it," but nobody picked up on that. Yeah, it was great that nobody picked up on because he was like, "I can't believe they didn't invite me to the premiere because I'm in it." But obviously, they didn't invite him. They didn't want anybody to know about this. I never heard he, that. Did he say that publicly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and nobody picked. Nobody, up. nobody picked up on. And oh wow! I don't, you know, you know, and they they didn't get the uh, you know ten out to anyone, so people yeah. didn't know. Anyway, so let's bring Darren back into the conversation. And uh, and and uh, continue uh, and just wrap things up. What what a gift this was, wasn't it? The show to all of us who love Star Trek so very much. I like Star Trek. I and really I'm, do. And it's, it's sort of refreshing to watch a show that uh, reminds me that I like Star Trek. Um, you know what was refreshing for me, Darren? I watched it more than once. Yeah. There's some some recent Star Treks. I'm not going to say which. I couldn't even get through a whole episode in one viewing. I, mean, I watched this multiple it. times. Well, I mean, you know, we we want to talk about stuff that we enjoy, and that's why we're talking about this that we um, love. Yeah, isn't it it's, amazing? It's, uh, it's fall so, in love again. It's a so far refreshing, better thing than I do. And look, now. it's not <laughs> it's not perfect, and that's fine. But it's good, and it's enjoyable. And it reminds us, uh, you know, where we've been, and uh, and it, it's just, uh, it's so, it's so nice to see the results of people who enjoy it as much as we do. Yeah, and and that they to make that make it with such care, and you know, we've all gotten to talk to Terry about it, and like I said, sort of getting a window into his collaborators and how much they all put into it and how that that it's it's extraordinary because it shows that that it can be navigated this modern perilous world of of you know genre tv and movie making where you're playing with things that we should all just be able to love but doesn't feel like that's the conversation anymore and i hope it's not ephemeral because like I mean, remember when Better Call Saul was wrapping up? I mean, everyone was talking about it, and it was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing, and everyone was talking about it. You know, cut to a month later, 
no one's talking about, right? I mean, yeah. succession right now, everybody's talking about and deserve it. Isn't that so. the nature of certain, I mean, this, you're talking about Star Trek. I think there's a difference between popular shows. There's like, there's the Sopranos, which people are still talking about. There's, yeah. and there's Star Trek, which is, I think that's the real point, which I think you guys make on this show all the time, which is, I mean, it's profound. I mean, you talk about all these other um, franchises, certainly even the ones that we grew up with. Star Trek is 50 year. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. Almost 60. Almost 60. It's closer to 60 than it is to 50 now. And that's what we're really saying here is that we're, that, that, that the ability to reinvigorate in a way is, is still there. Meaning that, mm-hmm. that, that, that all the different phases, uh, different seasons of, you know, any, but, but what has gone through as many permutations as Star Trek and yet still to be talking about it, not just in the past tense, but to say that there's still yeah. hope. Um, and and, and I not- think it's very rare. I mean, you had Ira Bear come and hit Deep Space Nine out of the park. And, you know, you could argue that Manny Cotto did that with the fourth season of Enterprise to a certain extent. But it's been a long time since somebody came and really did something new and exciting and galvanizing uh, about with Star Trek. And Terry's done that. And we saw it at conventions. You know, when, and maybe it's just the Vegas thing, but like, but when we were in Vegas last year, I remember walking around and feeling like, you know, it was, we were at a wake. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not even a good wake. Like somebody forgot to like, to stock up the bar. And when we were in, uh, in, in Richmond a couple of weeks ago, there was such tremendous enthusiasm and excitement. Like just the vibe was so different. Yep. So different. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasms. So anyway, well, I got to tell you, it's such a thrill, not only to, to have this unanimity, because there have been times, even with the great Star Treks, we, we came on and, uh, you know, you and Darren really? squared like off on our Star Trek six. <laughs> and I certainly, uh, you know, um, we, we've had our differences about different uh, things. But to have, to share this excitement uh, uh, for the first time in a very long time about Star Trek and uh, what's going on in the present and what potentially could happen in the future uh, is very exciting because we we just care so deeply about this franchise. We love this franchise so much. We've been doing five years of these Fakak the Podcast talking about how great uh, Star Trek is, and, and, and I still don't quite get it. I still don't quite get the upset. People ask me, they say, why are you so obsessed and so into Star Trek? I'm like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i've written all these books and these comics and it's so it's so renewable and it's the spirit of it is so um forward thinking and aspirational and fun and you know but it's it's, it's become more than that not only should it be forward thinking but it it's also uh letting us look back a little bit it's it's mm-hmm. it's letting us experience the full journey. Now, yeah, that just means we're that's right. what yes. that's what makes it no, exciting it, to me. Because Terry's paying homage to the entire history, and we didn't talk about this in when we talked about uh, the finale. But there's also a nice little nod to the original, which is a wonderful thing. And um, it, it's funny because my you know it's always been a joke. I'm a huge, obviously, original series fan. My wife is a huge Next Generation fan. Mm-hmm. So we've always, you know, and I'm a Kirk guy and she's a Picard guy. And so she was so excited when Picard premiered 
And, you know, I think she gave up on it after episode two or three. I don't remember at what point she banned it. Yeah. And then I did the same thing with her that I said to everybody else. I said, you got to watch season three. It's great. Yep. And for a long time, you know, I don't know if she didn't trust me or whatever. <laughs> she, she finally wow. got around to w- watching it. Uh, and, and I watched it with her. And to see her reaction, it was like how much she loved it. Yeah. And how uh, it was such a thrill for me to see that. And I'm watching the episodes again and I'm enjoying them as much as the first couple of times I watched them. And I was so thrilled to see, you know, my wife is a fan having that kind of uh, response. And and, and she just I I think she couldn't believe it because every time, you know, when the new shows premiered, I'm like, do you want to watch this with me? Because like, you know, obviously we watch Succession or Barry or, you know, most of these shows we'll watch together. She's like, nah. (laughs) <laughs> and like this time she's like I mean she would watch Star Trek Legacy she she would kill me if the Star Trek Legacy happened and I didn't wait to watch it with her at this point which is really nice actually it's, yeah. so, it's all it's all love as the kids say we celebrate yeah. it it's all about the love just like the Ewoks say it's like the love jump yeah. jump uh, no, no, they don't sing that I, anymore uh, they don't sing that <laughs> they don't say jump jump anymore they, they just have other choral they have another song oh man is it a rock well look I got to tell you, uh, um, this was great. We, we made a decision very early on that we weren't going to do weekly uh, breakdown. A lot of other people do them. I know Rob Burnett's doing them. I'm sure they're terrific because he has really great insights. Uh, and he was like the first person to champion the yeah, show really before anyone. And yeah, we were uh, like, ah, really was. it's Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, uh, credit to him. Uh, but we, you know, we 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 didn't have the time or the interest to really do this on a weekly basis. And fortunately, uh, Terry has been very generous with his time and, and sharing his thoughts with us. And I'm sure we'll come revisit this place again, not only with Terry but some of the other people that were involved, like especially if it's life from lifelessness. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that we were able to kind of sit down, just us, and and talk about why we thought this was so special because this goes back to what we said the very first week when we we first saw it and we were telling people you got to watch this the show's great and they're saying oh paramount's paying these guys off <laughs> if only like, if only i just like talking about it that's the that's the bottom line it's like we can do this episode like this not worrying about having to say smart stuff but just talk about things we like and go, oh yeah i love that too it's like that's may not make for the best podcast but it sure is fun it, 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 and I love being able to talk about what we love, and that you know, and 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 again, it, it, it's one of the reasons why you know I'd been thinking for a long time about leaving because there's not there wasn't a lot in the Star Trek universe that I really loved that I wanted to talk about, and uh, this has sort of changed the equation a bit. So we'll see. But um, but it's always yeah, a pleasure right. to have you on. Yeah, it's okay. I can see he's like this is going to be awkward. <laughs> what? No, Steve, Steve we'll, we'll schedule your audition to take over the show uh, when, oh. when Mark doesn't know. I, I thought, yeah, I, I didn't know if you got it yet, but I didn't. Steve, we're, we're so thrilled that you're also going to join us for the Nemesis commentary. Well, um, now that I watched it again, I just now I'm like, oh boy. He doesn't know can if I, he's thrilled about that. No, I'm like, can I say anything nice? I just, I want to, I want to be nice. My life. You want to be nice? Okay, well then we should watch another movie. <laughs> oh, we did talk about the Godfather too. That's a pretty good one. We we, we we still have to do our first contact commentary. We never got around to doing yeah. that. We have yeah. the we'll capability to now. So just uh, letting you and know. And and John said he'd be happy to come back and do that. So um yeah, uh, we gotta, we gotta get that on the books. 
we'll, we'll have to see. But anyway, we're, we're so appreciative. Look, and, and and for the audience out there, it's okay if you disagree with us. We're not going to take it yeah. personal. I know some of you who, who didn't like the show, it wasn't for you. Other people who may have loved things about it that maybe we didn't. You know, you might have loved the first two seasons. Yeah. I don't know. You know, that's it's good fine. for you. I'm glad you got joy, peace, I and joy, and contentment. Great. When people, like, meaning the, 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 that work regardless of of the other the other series and it, when people are into them and sincerely and they love it i think that's fantastic we're not telling people how to feel we're telling people how we feel yeah right. and you know i mean i think and sometimes if they're wrong i think right. lower decks gives people a lot of joy and i'm yeah. glad that that's the case you know I, I i mean i don't have a feeling about it one way or the other it's just not something that i've watched because it's not my, it's, I'm not interested in sort of like a satire of a Star Trek comedy. So it's like, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think Mike McMahon, who does it, is, is a really smart guy who loves Super Star smart, Trek. Yeah. It's another perspective on the franchise. So the fact that people love that show and embrace that show, that's fantastic. Great. It's just not something that I necessarily would jump into. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I would love it if I watched it. I don't know, but it's, it's, it doesn't speak to me. And so uh, clearly Picard is something, uh, season three, is something that spoke to all of us in a very profound way. And we're very grateful uh, to uh, Terry Metalis and his writing staff and his directors, because we didn't talk much about that, but uh, Doug, Jonathan, um, um, I forget who the other director, and, and Terry did such a beautiful job yeah. directing the show as well. Mm-hmm. And again, with limited money, people don't realize uh, and it never felt small or claustrophobic in the way that Next Generation could with these bottle shows. This always felt epic. Even when you, when you really parse it, you realize they're on the Titan the whole time. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. So uh, any closing remarks, uh, uh, Mr. Asbel? There are always possibilities. <laughs> Ashley? She has wonderful muscles. <laughs> Darren Docterman. I uh, I just hope that uh, the future is bright for people who like this kind of stuff. Well, a very well, special best, thanks. Not our best closing comments, but we'll... I'm, I'm not done yet. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> a very special thanks to Mark Rivera, who continues to make us sound so great. I know this this was a, a, a monster of an episode, so we appreciate it. Peter Holmstrom, thank you for your work and pulling a bunch of the clips. And, uh, um, also, all the great work you're doing on Trexpert's Briefing Room, uh, which uh, continues to do some terrific episodes. So if you're not listening to it, it's an entirely other podcast, Trexpert's Briefing Room, uh, in which uh, Peter and Lisa have uh, special guests from across the Star Trek universe talking about uh, Star Trek, uh, significant Star Trek episodes. And of course, the 430 movie where Darren, Steve, and uh, Steve Belching and Ashley Miller. Yeah, Steve Belching and myself curate fantasy theme weeks every week of uh, a classic movies. And of course, we're interested in hearing what you have to say, or some of us are, on uh, Twitter at uh, Inglorious Trek, uh, Instagram at Inglorious Trexperts, and Facebook. And uh, for those of you who want to see the Inglorious Live Tour live, uh, come check us out. Uh, we'll be in San Diego in July. Uh, the week after, at the end of July, we'll be in uh, North Carolina in uh raleigh raleigh thank you and uh and then uh the following week we'll be in uh, las vegas uh at the uh, 57 year mission uh uh convention crazy and uh then back in austin texas for galaxy con in september so a lot uh we're gonna be on the road much like jack kerouac 
Um, uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about uh, Star Trek Picard and many other things. So, uh, again, Steve, a, a true joy having you. It's such a, a your your passion equal even to our own. Uh, uh, and it's it's always great having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And, and I, 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 I want to invite you. I want to invite you to come to Deck 78 and talk about The Godfather with us. But don't like, come to Deck 79. I'll like, meet you on 79 at some well, point. You can go to 79. We'll be on yeah. 78. You it's like in the wrong Zoom. You're in the wrong Zoom. It'll be fun. Deck 79 is the in-laws, Star Trek, the motion yeah, picture. Right. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, Any anytime. I, I was going to say, I, I, I wish you well on your road, your various stops, your whistle stop tour of various conventions. Um, and it sounds it sounds tiring, but I commend you for that sounds like a pretty full bill but you know it is tiring but it's given us some great content for the podcast they've yeah. been very great hosts at galaxy con they totally. take very good care of us and we found some great restaurants and i haven't gotten hit by any scooters so it's a okay. win-win <laughs> chris pike is here just hit That's you right. <laughs> no, I'm like uh, Baby Yoda. Yeah. No, no, yep. no. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Wrong meme. Lauren. Wrong, wrong meme. Exactly. So until right. next week, uh, we'll be back uh, next Thursday with an all new episode of Inglorious Trexperts. And until then, keep on trekking, ingloriously, of course, engage. <laughs>